Welcome to episode 82 of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we're playing it, we will be talking about it. Today, we are recording on May 14th, 2018. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and 50% of this here show with me, as always, Corey Motley, staff writer at GameCritics. How you doing, Corey? Hello, Brad. I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing fine. It's a little warm in here. If I could just go old man talk about the weather for a second. Last <laughs> week, we had heaters and blankets, and this week, I am throwing open every window in the house, and I am sweating profusely. Anybody listening to the podcast, if you hear the drip drop of my sweat Ew. hitting my desk, I apologize. It is hot. How about you? Um, that's gross, first of all. Uh... Are you asking me how the weather is in my area? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess we can talk about your sweat if you just want to talk about that. But I you can talk about the weather do too. I do not want to talk about my sweat. Um, it is. Uh, it's warm here, but we uh, we have central air in our house. Do you have central air? No, you know that is not really a thing that existed in Washington State for many, many, many decades because it was never really that warm. But now that global warming is kind of fucking the earth over, it's we need it now, but no houses have it. Like, like if you're in a brand new house, you probably have it. But people who've been here for a while or people who are in older homes or, you know, any building built not in the last 10 years is fucked. There's no air conditioning in Washington. Yeah, that's kind of how it is in New Orleans. I remember whenever we were looking at places, at like shotgun homes and places to rent before we moved here. A lot of places here just have window units, but... Patrick was, like, adamant that we had to have central air, like, at, at the place that we lived, wherever we decided to live. And, of course, me at the time, I was like, oh, whatever. Like, we don't really, like, do we really need central air? And then I remember whenever we moved here, um, for the first, like, month or two of living here, we kept the AC off. And we had just, like, the ceiling fans going in all the rooms and the windows open. And I was so miserable all the time because, like, the fan wasn't really, like, stirring the air at all. So at night, I would just, like, sit in my living room in this, like, hot, damp air. And it was just, like, there was no movement in the air. There was no nothing. And it was just very, like, stale and uncomfortable. That sounds terrible. Yeah. I mean, I've never been to Louisiana. Probably going to rectify that soon. But it sounds... From everything that I've heard, sounds miserable. I mean, you guys have swamps and alligators, and it's hot, and it's in the <laughs> south, and I'm sure it's pure hell compared to what we have up here. And, you know, when people from other parts of the country that are hotter come up here, they laugh at us. They're like, oh, ha, 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 you guys call this hot. Wah, wah, wah. But, you know, you get used to a place, and, like, your body kind of adjusts to that local temperature, so when it changes, you really get messed up. I mean, like, I, I lived in Hawaii for a while, and when I went to Hawaii... I was walking around in shorts and a t-shirt while people were wearing like long pants and sweaters and coats. And so I laughed at them because I'm like, oh my God, this, you guys, it's hot over here and you guys are bundled up. But then after you live there for a while, your body just like acclimates and whatever you think is hot is different than, and whatever you think is cold is different. And it just really depends. So yeah, I, I am, I'm sure that when we get down to Louisiana, it'll be roasty fucking hot. I uh, think I will be like in Satan's backyard. It sounds terrible. <laughs> Well, at least if it's hot here, you'll have... I mean, I'm sure if you guys stay in a hotel, all the hotels will have, like, central air. So at least you'll be, like, cool there. Well, we can only hope, but I will uh, cover that on a future episode of the podcast after we make that trip. But for now, we're going to move off of Old Man Weather Talk, and we're going to get into our games talk. But before we launch into that, uh, just a quick reminder to people that if you are the kind of person who enjoys our 
non-games ramblings, various misadventures, and we may even talk more about the weather, you can catch our banter segment after the ending music. Just keep listening past the close of the show, and we usually have a pretty chunky segment back there. You can catch up with what we've been doing when we are not in front of our consoles. But for now, let's get to what I think most people are here for, the games chat. Corey, start us off this week, sir. You're playing a game that sounds very familiar to me, but I don't remember much about it. And uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying like, I, I want to be that guy who knows everything about every game. And I'm just drawing a blank on this one. I think I've played it before, but tell me about heavy bullets. Okay. So I just want you to know that I'm going to be full of surprises for you this week. So are you ready? I love, no, I, I hate surprises, but go ahead. That's fine. Yes. <laughs> I will. I will roll with it. Go ahead. Okay. So because I was out of town all weekend and I was busy and I got back on Saturday night. And like when I got up Sunday, I knew we were going to be recording Monday and I was like, son of a bitch. Like I don't have anything to talk about. I need to get some games together. I need to get some stuff to talk about. And Patrick is, he does for PC gaming, the humble bundle, uh, like monthly deal. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, I don't play a lot on PC, so I don't really subscribe to that. But I have heard that Humble is putting out some kind of a monthly one price. They give you like a shitload of games every month or something. Yeah, I am. I am vaguely familiar with it. Okay, good. So he does. He has been subscribed to that for a while. And something that I didn't quite realize until maybe like actually it might have been on Sunday, to be honest, is that um, like when you sign up for Humble Bundle, you it's basically just that you pay like X amount per month and you get like, I don't know, like five to ten free quote unquote games a month as in you don't have to pay extra for them. And usually it's like Steam codes that you just put into Steam and you unlock them in Steam. Sometimes it's direct download. Sometimes it's EA Origins codes for the EA store. But what I didn't realize is that Humble Bundle has its own store that you can just browse and buy games on. So it's kind of like steam like another steam and a lot of the games that are on humble bundle are on steam which kind of makes me wonder like why it's there in the first place but that's beside the point um at through scrolling through humble bundle deals i noticed that most humble bundle store games are maybe like a dollar or like half a dollar less than they are on steam uh and maybe that's just because of sales and stuff but either way I was looking through, I was clicking through all these pages on Humble Bundle and looking, I was ta- opening like a million tabs for games that were like, you know, like maybe like $4 or less that looked interesting. And I happened upon a game called Heavy Bullets. And I don't think I had heard of this game before, but the screenshots made it look very beautiful. It looked kind of like a, it's like a first person shooter. It looks kind of like um, that game Strafe that came out like a year or two ago that reviewed like mediocre Lee. Um, do you recall that game? I don't pay a lot of attention. This is a first person shooter, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of like a retro Doom E first person shooter. I don't pay a lot of attention to those. But now that you're talking about it, is Heavy Bullets the one where you shoot the bullet and then you have to go and pick it up again? Yes. Okay. Okay. Now I remember. Now I remember. Okay. No, I. I'm not a big fan of first-person shooters, and I don't think this ever came to console, which explains why I never played it. But uh, but roll on, sir. Roll on. Yeah, so I looked at it, and, the like, the art style is very... I mean, it's kind of like, uh, you know, kind of like... I hate to use the word retro, but it's kind of like retro-y. Like, the gun model kind of looks similar, like, similar to, like, the gun model in Super Hot, where it's just kind of like a polygonal figure of a gun. Kind of looks very, like, low-res. But everything's really, like, bright in the environment, and... It kind of looks like you're, I mean, the point of the game, I think, is that there's like, 
that's like a corporation and there's like a virus that's attacking the computer system and you play as uh, as like an entity in the computer system and you're basically like shooting like the bugs quote unquote like in the system or something like that the story is not really that important in the game this game is not a mass effect nor is it a the last of us nor is it a I don't know, uh, Edith Finch. It's just kind of like an excuse to get in and shoot. But what I... <laughs> that would be kind of interesting if it was an Edith Finch with like a really big gun and bullets. Because that that's really what Edith Finch was missing, if you ask me, honestly. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what that, there probably wouldn't be much remaining of Edith Finch had it been a shooter. Ah, um, good one, but, <laughs> good one. No. That is the Corey Motley that we know <laughs> and love. Right there, people. Stop. Do Prime not applaud Corey. that joke. Um, <laughs> so, but this game, okay, so I thought, whenever I looked at it, I thought it was going to be kind of like super hot because it looks a little bit like super hot, but it's more colorful. And uh, like I read in the description that you have like a, kind of like the hook, if you will, of the game is that you have a revolver and um, the game's called Heavy Bullets because when you shoot an enemy, whether you hit them or miss them, the bullet, um, it like it lands back on the ground and you have to pick it up. And, so you, there's a chance you could run out of all your bullets if you're, like, running your ass off and not really paying attention. But you also have to be strategic about, like, how you aim and where you shoot and remember to actually go pick up your bullet. And whenever you press the reload button, it doesn't just reload the entire cylinder of the revolver. You have to press it each time to reload a bullet. So if you're shooting really quickly, okay. um, it's kind of a mess. Like, you have to be strategic. Like, it, it's, it's just, like, super hot in the sense that it, like, looks like a first-person shooter on the surface, but it's really, like, there's more of a puzzle thing going on. So... Okay, okay, I'm with you, I'm with you. What I did not know going in is that this is, I think, technically, it's a rogue light. Because you start in the first level, and I believe the levels have a small degree of procedural generation in them. Like, kind of like the basic foundation of the level is similar, but like where the enemies are and where some of like the flora and fauna are, are like a little bit different from level to level, or like depending on when you restart it. So... It's like a classic case of if you die in the first level, you start all over. If you die in the second level, you start in the first level again. But the light and not like hook here is that the game has an interesting mechanic where there are there's two kinds of vending machines in the game. There are because whenever you kill things, you get money from them. And there are vending machines where you can just buy you can just straight up buy things. You can buy like little homing bombs. You can buy uh, extra bullets. You can heal. You can buy like a potion. And I don't know what the potion does, but there's like options. The other type of vending machine is a bank. It's like an ATM and you can deposit. You can choose to deposit any of the money you have into the bank. So if you die, even if you start all the way back over at level one, you can withdraw the money. The money does not go anywhere as long as you deposit it. So it gives you a sense of progression that does not normally exist in most standard roguelikes. So that was kind of like a point in its favor because if anybody's listened to the show for any length of time, including the last show, because we just visited this last week, um, I'm not a roguelike or a roguelite person. I like to make progress and make progress. I like to have checkpoints. I like to have my story. Um, I'm not really into the whole, I'm going to play for 30 minutes, die, and have to start all over again. Like, that's not really my kind of jam. But I was playing it, and at first I was like, oh, man, you know, I, like, died a couple times, and I was like, uh, this is dumb. Like, I don't like this. This is not really, you know, my jam at all. But, like, it's kind of one of those things where, like, I just had to, like, get on its level a little bit. And once I started playing a little bit more and kind of getting serious, I started liking it, and I... 
I was getting into the hook of like the bank and the ATM and like putting the money in. And at one point I got a random uh, pickup that was a knife and the knife came in super duper handy because you, you didn't throw it. So you didn't have to pick it back up or anything. It was just like a melee uh, knife swipe. And there are a lot of bug enemies that get close to you and I could just swipe them instead of having to like really try hard to aim. Um, so that came in handy. And then of course I died later and lost the knife. So that kind of sucked. But I mean, that's what you get with roguelikes and roguelites. Um, but, uh, I mean, I only, I think there's seven levels, if I'm not mistaken, and I only made it up to level three before dying. Um, that's, like, as far as I made it was level three. And in the game, when it shows you the layout of the levels, um, levels one through three are, like, in white text, and level four is in pink. And I think level, like, five, six, and seven are in white. So I'm wondering if level four is like a universal checkpoint in the game. I'm not sure because I haven't made it that far yet, but I'm interested in knowing why the four is in a different color than the rest of the levels. So maybe it serves as like a hub or like an actual checkpoint or something. I'm not sure because I'm not good enough to have made it there, but I just enjoy like sort of playing this game because you know what's at stake I mean, basically the entire game is at stake minus whatever money you put in the bank account. Um, so, like, once you get on that level of being like, okay, my entire playthrough is at stake right now, which is something I have a really hard time getting on board with, um, it started getting really intense, and I started, like, treating it less like a shooter and more like almost like a horror game where I was, like, very, like, quietly, like, creeping around the corners and, like, looking and trying, you know, not to... making sure to, like, look before I leapt and seeing where enemies were and there's like turrets in some of the levels and you have to shoot the little like computer boxes next to the turret so you have to time like when you pop out of a wall and like aim and shoot the little turret box you know before it hits you and um and so i don't know the more i started getting on its level and sort of treating it like i think how it wanted to be treated uh the more i was getting into it i mean i'm not in love with this game but I mean, it takes a lot for me to get on board with a roguelike or a roguelite, and this is, like, one of the very, very few that I've played and started to, like, actually kind of go there with it, and uh, and I think it's really neat, and I'm pretty sure I got it on a Humble Bundle sale for, like, I don't know, like, a few bucks, if that. I mean, it might be on sale right now as you're listening to this, so um, if it sounds like you're jam and you're a PC player, because I'm pretty sure it's PC only, uh, maybe look into this, because I kind of dig it, which is a strange thing for me to say. Interesting. Yeah, I was as soon as you said like roguelite, I was like, oh, 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 danger, danger, not Corey's jam. But boy, it seems like you kind of managed to find the fun in this one. I mean, it does sound pretty interesting. And I do recall, I mean, now that we're talking about it, I do recall people at the time being kind of into it. And there's like you kind of alluded to this, but there's kind of like an art to like using the gun. Like it's not just fire, but it's like you have to like reload, you said, and kind of like there's more like to it, right? Like it's more of a process or you got to be more thoughtful about it, correct? Yeah, because you you only have six shots and every bullet, um, like you don't just, there's the only places you can buy ammo are at the vending machines. And so like you have to keep track of where you shoot because you have to go back and pick the bullets up. Then you have to reload each bullet ma- manually with a key press. So it's um, it's not just like a you know game where you're running around guns blazing, like shooting double pistols. Like You have to be very thoughtful about the way you use your ammo. Okay, cool. Yes. Okay, now, okay, yes. This sounds interesting, and I probably would give it a shot, even though I'm not really the biggest first-person shooter fan. Like, what you're describing sounds, like, interesting enough that I would really want to give it a try. Um, but, yeah, I don't believe it ever came to any of the consoles, but I'm, I'm not going to jump on PC for this because 
I mean, like I've said before, it takes, you know, moving heaven and earth to get me to play something <laughs> on PC. But yeah, I mean, if, if this was on PS4 or, you know, I mean, not to be that guy, but on Switch or something, I mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds like kind of my jam. I, I definely am more into the rogue style of things than you are. But if you're enjoying it, then, I mean, I can only imagine that I would also enjoy it as well. And, you know, now that I think about it, I also hate to be that guy, but this would be, like, the perfect game for Switch. And, like, who knows? Like, maybe it'll come out one of these days. I just brought up the Wikipedia page because I wanted to make sure I got some info right as you were talking right then. I didn't realize this game came out in September of 2014. This game is, like, old. Yeah, yeah. I remember it from from a while ago. I mean, I probably would have... I would not have been able to pinpoint when, but, yeah, I do remember it it was a while ago, so... And how much did you say it came with the humble bundle, right? So you probably got it for like basically nothing or I'm, I'm assuming if you went to the store now, it's like probably a dollar or something like that, right? Yeah, it didn't. It wasn't a part of the humble bundle games. It was just on the humble bundle store separately. But I'm pretty sure I only paid like a few dollars, like maybe four dollars tops. I can't remember exactly, but it was not very much. Even still, that sounds like a very legit price for what sounds like a pretty interesting experience. And uh, you know, roguelikes can be a really cool thing. Like, I've actually been getting into them a lot more lately. I mean, I've always kind of liked them. But I think with my current life situation where I don't have a lot of time to, like, dump into, like, a JRPG or anything, where I just have very small sections of gameplay that I can engage in, you know, something like this is pretty cool. Like, you jump in, can get really immersed. I mean, it sounds like kind of an intense experience. Play for a couple minutes, then you're done. Either you die or maybe just pause it and come back to it. But... You know, there's not a lot of stuff to really like remember. Like you just, you know, what you're doing. You get in there and just do it. So I think there's a lot to be said for that genre, especially once life kind of gets busy, and and things kind of go along. I mean, yeah, it is kind of a bummer to kind of like lose progress and get set back. But that's kind of like why I like the the rogue light more than the rogue like, I guess, because I do like it. Does it doesn't feel as bad when you have some kind of permanent progression. So I, I don't think you mentioned this, but I was going to ask, are there any permanent unlocks that you earn or like as you go along? I mean, if you don't beat the game on one run, which I'm sure you generally probably don't do often, like do you get better guns or do you unlock? I mean, I know you said you keep the money, but is there anything else that you're unlocking or something that helps your next run be better? Uh, not so far, but I only played it for about an hour, so I'm not, like, super in deep. One thing that I wish the game was a little bit better about was telling you what the items do that you pick up. Because at one point, I picked up just, like, a random... There are some random pickups in some levels, and I... I can't remember. I think it gave me, like, an extra health, like, uh, like, little health nugget or health bar or whatever. But, like, when I got to the store, there was, like, a potion but it didn't say what the potion did and i think i looked it up online and there was like a different potion there's like a life insurance thing you can buy where whenever you die you it automatically deposits like 10 percent of the money you had in the bank so you don't lose all of it so like there's a few things like that i don't know if you get a better gun i know you have the revolver at the start you can get a knife because i got it and really liked it there's like a a few different like little kind of grenade things you can get and use um but i'm not probably not far enough in to like definitively answer if there's like permanent unlocks but so far it doesn't seem that way but i'm not positive right on right on well regardless um sounds like a very interesting experience i'm guessing if it's been four years it's probably not ever going to come to console although who knows people are really cashing in on the switch lately and seems like pretty much everything you've ever heard of has been landing on the switch so i guess there's probably an outside chance we could see it there but uh Sounds interesting. Sounds interesting. Any final thoughts before we move on? 
Uh, just last thing. I don't think I mentioned this yet, but um, this game is published by Devolver, so like they're usually pretty good about supporting their games. So like maybe just maybe it could come to Switch, but uh. I mean, just hearing that it's a Devolver Digital game kind of, like, I probably should have prefaced that from the very start because, like, people who know Devolver know generally the kind of, like, style and games that they go for. And this totally, totally looks and sounds and feels and plays like it would be published by Devolver. So who knows? Maybe they will, maybe they'll bring it out around again to consoles or something in the future. It wouldn't surprise me at all. And like you said, I mean, uh, if you're familiar with Devolver's work, they're one of the publishers out there that whenever you or at least for me whenever i hear their name it very clearly sets the stage about what to expect i mean uh despite anything else that might be said about devolver and i am kind of a fan of their of their selections um they definitely have like a look and kind of a a a series of themes they've got kind of a style that is attached to their name which i think is pretty cool so right on right on sounds like a uh cool thing and i guess i will keep my eyes peeled if it ever 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 comes to switch or something (laughs) but um let's move on really quick i'm going to do something a little bit different this week um i mentioned in the banter which people listening to the show haven't heard yet but uh i have a whole bunch of games saved up and it's it's interesting because i've been playing a lot of games but i haven't liked any of them i've been bouncing around (laughs) from bad game to bad game to bad game to bad game and i don't always want to talk about bad games i know that sometimes this podcast gets a little bit of a rep for being negative or me personally people think i'm really negative or i'm really harsh which i don't think is true i just think i'm very honest about my opinions and when something good comes along i love to celebrate it but you know i mean the fact remains i do play a lot of games i play a ton of games and you know a lot of them are just not great so i've been saving up all of these games and for today's episode i'm just going to just be very honest with everybody listening and say i'm not going to celebrate anything today Everything I'm going to talk about is something that I played briefly and that I didn't like and I moved on from, but because I have a weekly podcast, I need to talk about something. So I'm going to talk about all these games that I bounced off of, just one after another, and we're just going to roll through. Uh, Two sections. The first section, I will talk about stuff that I played on the Switch. Are you ready, sir? I am ready. Okay, cool. So the first couple ones I'm going to say are I don't want to give total dismissals to because they had demos, and I really appreciate that. Um getting a demo these days feels like a rarity because there was a lot of talk recently in the industry that demos are actually bad for publishers because when people get to play the game, a lot of times it sours them on the game and they end up not making a sale that they might have made if the person was curious and didn't know how the game was and bought it anyway. So I, (laughs) I mean, I get what they're saying and I think that's true. I think if you want to have a happy customer, you don't want people to be bitter about the money they spent on your games Be honest, if you're choosing good games, if you are a publisher who really stands by your games, let people play your games, and if they're good, then people will buy them. Uh, So that's my philosophy, and I am happy whenever a publisher takes a chance on a demo. I want to celebrate that, and I want to give applause to that. Uh, At the same time, I do think it's very true that there are a lot of bad games out there, and if you demo a bad game, then you should not buy it, and that's exactly what happened in this case. So... (laughs) Here we are. Uh, The first one is called Deep Ones. Uh, This is on the Switch. Uh, It is put out by Sometimes You, which is a smaller publishing house. I got to be honest, I haven't really liked a lot of their games. They're very indie, very, very indie, strongly indie. And a lot of their choices just really just don't click with me. But these were demos, and I figured I got nothing to lose. I'll give it a shot, whatever. Deep Ones got me curious because it's about a little diver who, I guess his sub crashes or something, He ends up on the bottom of the sea and there's like this like Lovecraft influence. I'm a big sucker for anything Lovecraft. And so 
you were down there and you're like finding Lovecraft monsters and I guess trying to get back to the surface or something like that. Totally sounds like something I would be interested in. Uh, but I did not appreciate this one at all. Uh, the graphics were really bizarre. It looks like they are very simple, almost like crayon drawings, like your like little colored outlines of things. Uh, very, very basic, very just like rough graphic presentation. I mean, it's, I'm not going to say it's a bad style, but maybe not the style that I like. And maybe I would want something a little more polished for for my own personal gameplay experiences. Uh, but that really wasn't what killed it for me. As the demo began, I just noticed that, like, the controls were just really fucked. Like, it's one of those games where you have to platform, and if you fall down a platform, you die, but the jumping is not spot on. And if you're doing a platformer these days, I'm sorry, folks, but there's been so many platformers in the history of platformers, you got to have your shit nailed down tight <laughs> if you want to be bringing a platformer. Like, there is no room for platformers where your character doesn't jump right when you want them to jump. Like, that stuff's got to be dialed in. And what happened was I kept jumping off of these little platforms. There's like a half a second pause from when you hit the button to when your character actually jumps. And I kept falling down these pits and getting sent back to the beginning. And I was like, fuck this. Not going to do it. <laughs> I do not have time or patience for platformers that do not let me accurately platform. Because I know my reflexes are fine. It is the game who is not responding. And that is not something that I put up with. So... I deleted the deep ones right off the bat. It was too frustrating within the first five minutes. There's no way I was going to put up with that crap for whatever else was left. Moving on. Another one from Sometimes You was called Metropolis Lux Obscura. This one caught my attention because when I first saw the trailer for this, I was like, there's no way this is a Switch game because there was guns, there was blood. There were these ladies with like these enormous boobs that were barely covered, like looked like way too sexual. For Nintendo, I'm like, what is what is this? This cannot be on the Switch, but apparently it is. So I download the demo, not really knowing what to expect, and it, <laughs> fair play, wasn't what I expected. It was basically a comic book narrative experience where everything is just comic book panels. Uh, you play, like, I guess, a guy who's getting out of prison, and he's back to his old haunt, and he's talking to people, and then when a fight breaks out... So this is all comic book style, like little word bubbles, just, you know, still frame pictures, no animation or anything. And then when you get to a fight, it goes to a match three game, which I was like, huh, that's weird. But you have a whole bunch of match three icons on the board where you have like fists, you have fists that are wrapped in chains. You have, I guess, like tasers. There's like gas of some kind. There's like healing icons, like a whole smattering of different icons uh, match three and whatever that thing is, you get that effect. Like the punch is an attack. The punch with the chain is a stronger attack. The health pack is like a heal. You know, pretty simple. You can figure it out pretty quickly. Um, but the problem is that, I mean, match three is not really super compelling in, in and of itself. Like you have to have a lot of really good supporting content uh, to make that fun. And I might have hung in there just to see how risque this game was going to get. But within the first 10 minutes, I could not defeat the second battle, like the second battle of the game. And it's a match three. I got my ass kicked, I think, probably 10 times in a row. And I'm like, if this is the second battle of this game, what what does that mean for the rest of the game? Like, I can't even get through the demo. How am I going to play this whole thing? Forget it. You guys do not have your difficulty tuned. No way. Uh, as curious as I may be to see how much boobage and guns and death was going to be on the Switch, I'm not going to put up with this crappy match three to see that. So... Deleted that, got rid of that. 
Moved on to a game which I have heard a lot of really positive things about. And in fact, the Game Critics review was very, very favorable, which is one of the reasons I got really curious about this. But it's called Dandara. D-A-N-D-A-R-A. You might have heard of this one, Corey. Did you, have you heard about Dandara? Not to my knowledge. This one was the star of the show at last year's PAX, and it comes from, I believe, Brazilian developers, a small team of Brazilian developers. It was it gained a lot of attention because the protagonist is... I mean, she's like a black woman, but she's not just black. She's like uh, black, but like also South American or like Brazilian or something like that. Like there was a big cultural slant to it. Um, I didn't see a lot of the game, which is why I'm so vague on this. So please accept my apologies if I'm misstating the case. But she was a really cool uh, non-white protagonist. She looked like a real strong lady. She had this cool afro, this cool like scarf that trailed out behind her. She had this yellow suit. Like her character design was awesome. She looks like a badass. She looks really, really cool. And it's kind of like a Metroidvania style, but it's also incorporating a lot of Brazilian street art and a lot of Brazilian culture. I read a lot of uh, developer interviews, and they talked about their process, about incorporating, you know, the heritage and the stuff that they were around and, like, giving it, like, a real, like, kind of Brazilian flavor, which I thought was just, like, amazing. Like, really, really cool. Caught my attention. I was down. Bought it. No problem. Um, but I started playing, and then I did have problems, which was really kind of bumming me out. Um you start the game, and the interesting thing about Dandara is that it looks like it's going to be a Metroid-style game, and it basically is, but the, the hook is that she cannot walk. What she does is she jumps from wall to wall. So, like, she'll be standing on a floor, you move the left stick, and you see, like, a little directional arrow, and whatever direction that arrow is pointing, she, like, leaps into the air, and then she lands on that opposite surface. So if you're on the floor, and you point to the ceiling, she will, like, stick to the ceiling. And if you're on the ceiling and you point to a wall, she will jump over there and stick to a wall, which is pretty cool. Like, it looks very cool to do that. But number one, sometimes you just want to fucking walk. Like, I don't need to jump, like, all from floor to ceiling to wall to floor to ceiling to wall if I just want to walk somewhere. And while it's cool to kind of explore like that, when you're fighting enemies, it becomes a lot more difficult to kind of navigate your wall jumping and also dodge projectiles from enemies while also trying to charge up your attack to kill them. I was taking a lot of hits because it was just like a lot to kind of like manage all the, that stuff at once. Additionally, I got lost a lot because as you're going from surface to surface, the map rotates and it doesn't stay still. And so keeping myself oriented was really, really tough. Um, I could have put up with all of that, but the thing that really killed it for me was the checkpoint system. It's got this really fucked up old school checkpoint system where if you find a tent in a level, you can sleep at the tent and your game is saved. But... From what I saw, I only came across, like, one tent in the entire time that I played. So, like, I got really far, and every time I fucking died, which was often, I would get sent back to that first tent. And, like, after doing that three or four times, I'm like, I just don't want to replay this section. Like, I need more checkpoints. I need to not be redoing so much territory because it just, it felt like a waste of time. And it was so difficult to kind of manage the, the movement plus the combat at the same time. I just, it just lost me. Like, it's a shame, too, because I love the style. I love the concept. I love the protagonist. I really thought this game was going to be my jam, uh, but it was not my jam. So that was really um, disappointing. And the final one that I'm going to cover for my initial batch of dismissals here has been Heroes, which is also for the Switch. This was one of the first launch games for the Switch, I believe, put out by Frozen Byte, which are the people who also do Trine. Did you ever play Trine, Corey? I did not. That was a 
fairly cool game where you like rotated between three characters and you had to solve like physics-based puzzles. Pretty neat. It had some problems, but cool idea. This time they are still kind of running with the idea of having three characters, but it's kind of like it's kind of like Plants versus Zombies. Are you familiar with how Plants versus Zombies is laid out like in a grid, kind of like um I don't want to say a tower defense, but kind of like you have your characters on one side and enemies approach you from the other. Have you played that? Yes, I have. Okay. So like you have three three heroes on the left side and then enemies will be streaming in from the right and you need to protect these two princesses that are with you. Now, apparently there's like a lot of items to unlock. This is a rogue light so you can unlock some things that'll help your future runs be better. There's a bunch of different characters apparently. So I like the concept because I like roguelikes. I kind of like, you know, I like Plants vs. Zombies. That was a fun game for a while. I'd be up for one of those again. And the art style was like, kind of cartoony but not too cartoony like it was hitting a pretty good pretty good zone for me like I was kind of down with the visuals uh, so I start playing this and I have to say it is absolutely one of those games where it's an indie developer who really is super into their own game and they love what they're doing with it and they put a lot of work into it and it's really deep and really rich and there's a lot of good systems and a lot of good ideas but the problem and this happens to a lot of indies is like they do not teach you how to play their game because they know their own game so well, they forget what it's like to not know how to play their game. And so when it comes to their tutorial, it was like one of the worst tutorials I've ever played through. Explained absolutely nothing about how to play the game or the systems. Like just the barest, the barest info. I kind of sort of understood what I was doing. And then I was just dying and dying and dying and dying and dying. And I had no idea like how I could improve. I didn't understand what I was doing wrong. I just had this most, the most fundamental understanding of what was going on, but there's all these other systems, all these other factors. And I just like, it, the death was coming so often and I felt like I was making no progress and I just had no way to understand it. A friend uh, said, oh, you know, actually go on YouTube and watch some tutorials. So I did and I watched like two different tutorials and then I read like the wiki page and then I went to like two other tips pages and I still was like, I don't understand this game. Like it's just, it's too complicated um, I'm not going to say it's a bad game because my friend really swears by it. And it seems like there's a lot of good ideas there. I could not penetrate that game and I was getting killed so often and so fast. I was losing patience for it. Like, I mean, I'm okay to wade through a game and experiment and try and fall down and pick myself up and try again. Like, that's okay. Like, I don't need my hand held the entire time, but you've got to understand indie developers listening let me into your game. Let me into your thought process. Explain to me what's going on because I am not you. I am not inside your head. I have not worked on this game for 12 months every day like you have. I respect your efforts, but part of being a good developer is letting people into your creation. And that's where this game f fell down, like hard, fell down hard, chipped its teeth on the curb, peed itself in the gutter. <laughs> like this game does not want you to play it. And I think that's a shame because it seems like there's something good here. But at my stage of life and with the time that I have and the patience level that I have, I'm not willing to, like, throw myself into this meat grinder a thousand times before I even begin to understand what the systems are. So uh, got rid of that real fucking quick, and then I was out. So that's my first batch of dismissals. I spent maybe, like, I spent the longest time with Has-Been Heroes. I probably played that for about two hours and just bailed. But on the other ones, I probably played for, like, maybe... 15 minutes, half an hour at most. And I just knew that that was not, none of these things were things I want to get into. So deleted all that shit from my switch and I moved on. Didn't look back. Don't feel bad about <laughs> it. So that's where I am. 
Uh, I know I went through those super fast uh, in the interest of time. Any questions or anything? Any comments, Corey, before I move on? I didn't mean to like like drown you out or not leave you any any room to comment. So any anything you want to jump in on? Um, just a couple of things. I was whenever you were talking about Dan Dara, is that what it was called? Yeah. Um, the first game that comes to mind whenever you were talking about this, which shocks me because you really liked this game and I didn't, is Ronin. Oh, oh, did you play Ronin? Yeah, I played it for like a half an hour and didn't like it, but you loved it. But whenever you were describing like the jumping on the walls and kind of like doing one move at a time kind of thing, I was thinking about Ronin. Are those games similar at all or am I in the wrong direction here? I think that you are correct in the same idea of like navigating your environment, like using the walls, using the ceiling. Uh, But Ronin is it's pretty different in a lot of ways. I mean, it has a pause where you can kind of take in your environment and like plan your next move very strategically. You also have like a wide variety of weapons and moves so you can do lots of different things. And it has a shitload of checkpoints. It has mega (laughs) checkpoints. Um, Did we ever talk about Ronin? We never talked about the show, did we? No, we talked about it like two or three times. Did we really? God, I love Ronin. Ronin's (laughs) the best game, dude. Anybody listening, if I talked about it in the past, whatever, I'm going to talk about it again. That game is the shit. I love that game. That game is so good. That's all I'm going to say. But, like, play Ronin. You can get it on Steam or PS4 for a couple bucks. It's constantly on sale on PSN. That game is the bomb, dude. It is so fucking good. Uh, I understand 1,000% why you would not like it. That is absolutely not a Corey Jam. But Ronin is so good. So, so good. Uh, unfortunately... Dandara has none of those things. It doesn't have the pause. It doesn't have the checkpoints. It doesn't have the multiple options. Also, your guy in Ronin can fucking walk. Dandara cannot walk, which is just so bizarre. <laughs> um, and the checkpoints is really, really what it comes down to, because I could probably put up with all that nonsense if I wasn't replaying huge stretches of the game over and over and over. But I just I just I don't do that anymore. I just don't like you got to give me checkpoints or just I'm out because I just life is finite, man. Like no one lives forever. If I was like, a, you know, the happy vampire in his crypt playing games for all infinity. Maybe I would put up with that shit, but even still, I don't think I would. And I'm not a vampire, so I don't have infinity. So I'm not going to put up with it at all. So yeah, no, I like this segment because we got to learn like with several different types of games where Brad Galloway will draw his line in the sand on what features he will stop playing a game over. (laughs) I, you know, after, after playing games, man, for so many years, I definitely have certain lines. Like it's like platformers, you gotta be super tight. Like with like this match three shit, like you gotta let me win the first couple battles. Dandara, I gotta have some checkpoints. Has been heroes. Tell me what the fuck I'm doing. I think that's a pretty basic, pretty basic ask. So those are my lines uh, for that batch of games. I do have one more batch of games coming up, uh, but let's put that in pause for now. And I'm gonna turn it over to you because, sir. Uh, I am brimming with excitement. When we talked about the script last night, you said mystery game. You didn't want to tell me what it was. You're going to be so underwhelmed when you figure out what I want to talk about. I will be. I know. I'll be whelmed. I will be properly (laughs) whelmed. So tell me, Corey, I'm going to turn it over to you now. What is the mystery game you're going to talk about? Please reveal your selection. Before I say what I've been playing, do you have any guesses on what you think I might be talking about? It's something that you have played and we have talked about on the show. Like recently or like when? Uh, I mean, in the past like year, six months to a year, probably. Oh, dude, I got no. Give me a hint because we talk about a lot of games, man. What? What? Give me, give me a hint. Um, you, I, I was looking forward to playing it, but had not bought it. You did not like it, therefore I lost all interest in it. 
Oh, God, that happens so often. I know it does. That could, that could be any game, oh dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, let me give you a much stronger hint. It's, okay, okay, it is ahead. also published by Devolver Digital. Oh, shit, Ruiner. 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 Podcast so, partner. Yes, so I <laughs> I was, like, looking at this game on sale on the Humble Bundle store, and because I, even though you talked about not liking it, it's been in the back of my head. I've been thinking about it, and lo and behold... The latest Humble Bundle bundle had the game in it, so I did not have to pay a dime for this. I downloaded it for free on Steam, and I spent a chunk of my day yesterday playing the entire game. I beat the game, and you know what, Oh, shit, Brad? you finished it? Like, you know oh what? Oh, my God. I like this game. I like Ruiner. What? Really? Yes. I like. I, I mean, am surprised. I'm what? Not, I'm not in love. I want to make it clear. I'm not like going to, you know, write Devolver a bunch of love letters and send them in the mail. But I like this game. I am very shocked. I did not <laughs> see you liking this game at all. I figured you would like the style because the style is pretty cool. Like It's got, it's got good aesthetics. I mean, their art team is on point, but. Man, I, I bounced off this shit pretty hard. I, I mean, I finished it too, but it was kind of like a hate finish. I was not enjoying it. I'm surprised. So tell me, first of all, I mean, it's, it's been a while since we talked about this. So why don't you recap for the folks and then lay it on me. Like, why? how did you connect with this game? What was the good? What did you find in it? Okay, so for those who don't remember us talking about it or who haven't heard of this, this game is called Ruiner. It is, a, it is an isometric... Uh, kind of like a brawler it has uh, ranged attacks you have guns you also have like a pipe or, an, or a sword on you at certain points in the game um but it's basically i mean it's kind of one of those games and brad you kind of mentioned this on the show the last time we talked about it and it was one of the reasons why it turned you off is that it's kind of one of those games for better or for worse that if you've played like 15 minutes of it you've basically played the entire game like it doesn't really yes 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 like it doesn't have a lot of progression there's not a lot of curveballs it's basically just purely like isometric exploration and combat a lot of it is like arena style combat where you get locked into a little arena you fight a bunch of dudes and then the level clears you get your xp you move on but the point of the game is it's this like super groovy kind of like deus ex ish like uh kind of like underbelly of the city like cyberpunk thing and you play as this guy who has this really awesome mask on and like the whole front of the mask is like an LCD screen or an LED screen. And so it like things like flash on the mask whenever he's like has like feelings, but he doesn't ever really talk and he has a robot arm. So he's like part cyborg and the game starts and you're on a mission to go kill someone who they call the boss. And you're in this uh, corporate headquarters. The corporation's called heaven. And it's like this kind of like reddish gray kind of dirty, um, cool like cyberpunk i mean it, it just it the game looks aesthetically a lot kind of like deus ex to me like deus ex human revolution but like more kind of grim um and so i'm like super down with it and whenever you're about to get to the end of the first level someone kind of like hacks into your mind it's got like a lot of ghost in the shell stuff going on too and maybe that's part of the reason why i like it also so like someone kind of like ghost hacks into you because you're part cyborg and it's this woman and they don't they never say what her name is they just call they call her literally her the entire game. And she's like this cool, like, like everything about this game is like dripping and stuff that's like cool, but for silly reasons. Like the lady who like uh, kind of like ghost hacks into you, she like 
has like she's like a hacker and she's like a young she looks like she's asian i think and she's like this young kind of like uh maybe like late teens early 20s girl she has like a band-aid on her face which is dumb but it looks so cool like the way she just like carries herself and she has like headphones and it's just like all these like stereotypical like late 90s like cyberpunk things that you'd think would be like outdated by now but i was totally like rolling in it i was like yeah this chick is awesome I'm here for her. She's like, cool. She could tell me to jump (laughs) off a bridge and I would probably do it because she's such a cool chick. So she like ghost hacks into you and basically is like giving you directions. She kind of serves as your operator for the game. So you like go through these levels and I mean, it's basically like for a little while, there's a hub city area where you can kind of walk around and like you can mingle with people. You can go in a nightclub. There's like a mechanic guy who kind of fixes you up if you have stuff in between missions and then once you decide you're ready to go on a mission you either go you exit through the garage or you go to your motorcycle and of course you have a motorcycle because a motorcycle is cool so this game is just like even cooler because you have a motorcycle and so you like take your motorcycle on missions and then once you get there i mean it's basically like i mean like i i can't sugarcoat it and also like i'm gonna bring up stuff that you've said before like almost every level like looks pretty much exactly the same. Like it's all like gray digital, like red lights and, you know, isometric angles. Every level looks like you're in some like dank, like cyberpunk factory. But because the game is only about four hours long, it didn't really wear on me as much as I thought it was going to. Like I was pretty down for it. And I mean, most of the game is just you going through these levels. You get to a section where you have to fight people and it's like, pretty intense isometric action it's kind of like bastion in a bit of a way like you're kind of like rolling around this arena the game has a bunch of uh skills that you can unlock which is probably about uh, like where the real gameplay depth comes in because you have like a a trigger attack where the the opening one that shows you how to do it it's like a shield that you put over yourself and it's like there are abilities that you toggle you have like a secondary attack and there's like a grenade attack and there's like some buffs that you can use. Like there's like a slow motion thing you can switch on if you buy it and you can like upgrade all those things. So you can get like super duper strategic about how you want to play the game. Um, if you don't want to just, you know, keep sword slashing everything. Cause you have your standard sword, you have your standard, like kind of like a machine gun, like a machine pistol. But as you fight people in the arena fights, you can pick up their weapons if they drop weapons, but they're all temporary. So you only have the clip that you get in that gun. And then once you're finished with it, you throw it to the side and you get your standard machine pistol back out. But if you don't use all their weapons in the arena, usually after every arena fight, um, this thing called a weapon grinder comes down and you like press a button on it and it like sucks in it's this sounds really stupid but i swear it's effective it like sucks in all of like the the guns in the arena into it like the essence of the guns and it like spits out all this xp for you and sometimes if you like get enough guns for it to like suck up it like gives you like an extra powerful gun so it's cool because it gives you like a strategy on like well do i want to use these people's weapons do i want to just stick to my sword and you're basically just like dashing around the arena like a madman like swiping your sword or using your pipe or using your machine pistol or using their guns and i mean i totally get why like why you didn't like this game that much and i think that if it had been longer than four hours i probably would have been pretty turned off by it but like the story is kind of dumb and i'm not going to spoil it but like the story is very like stereotypical like cyberpunk story but it has a lot of influence from like deus ex and from ghost in the shell which are two things that i'm like obsessed with and like the because it's a devolver game like the music is really cool so it's totally one of those games where like 
I would just put my headphones on and really like tune into it on the PC. And like, it's always got like a good beat going. So I could just like sit there and like nod my head to the beat as I was like making my guy go to the next arena. And then when you get to the arena, it's like this really intense fighting. And then it like, you know, the beat comes back and you kind of like get to the next area. And I mean, like for lack of a better word, this game, it's just like cool. Like it's just a cool game. It's just like dripping in cool style like however like you know somewhat non-innovative and like maybe mediocre some of the gameplay is it just like feels like a cool game it has a lot of attitude and it has exactly the kind of attitude that i like in you know like a, a game or a movie or a tv show like it just it's just like totally like like I'm picking up everything it's putting down basically. And had this game been in a different visual style, had it had a different story, had it had, um, you know, different music, I probably would not like it, but like the sum of those things coming together into this package, I just was told like, it's just a cool groovy game. And I really liked it. And I really liked that it was only about four hours long. I also put it on easy. So like, I was not here for any of its like super hard bullshit gameplay because I know this is the kind of game where if you crank the difficulty up, it would be super duper hard. So I played it on easy, sailed through most of it. It was like just hard enough for me. And I just really dug this game. That makes sense. I had failed to factor in what a like cyberpunk Ghost in the Shell fan you are. <laughs> I should have I should have guessed. <laughs> that thematically it would win you over, which is fair because, you know, I've, if a game really clicks with me visually, style-wise, aesthetically, that can really make up for a lot of things. I mean, I, I can probably, I can't think of any now because I'm on the spot, but, <laughs> you know, if I sat down and looked at a list of games, I could probably pick out a few where I'm like, oh, that really wasn't a good game, but I loved the character or I loved the visuals or I loved the theme. So that, that makes sense. I mean, I can see how you could like it that way because, I mean, you're right. You're not wrong. Graphics are great. Style is great. I mean, the aesthetics are great. The themes are great. I mean, it just, it looks like a really fucking badass game, which is why I was so excited <laughs> about it before I played it, right? Like, it looks like, oh my God, this looks it looks amazing. Like, it looks like so, like, kind of Akira, Ghost in the Shell, hacking, cyber, you know, everything. Like, it just looks really cool. But I got to say, like, as much as I liked the appearance of it, it felt a lot longer than four hours to me. Like it felt like my life was like seeping away when I was playing it. And I, I mean, I just, I just didn't like the gameplay. I, I mean, I could have put up with the gameplay if the levels looked different, but it felt like I was in the same level every single time fighting the same le enemies every single time. And I found a strategy pretty early on that just really worked. So there really wasn't a lot of reason to experiment with other things. And I kind of thought there was going to be more of a world. Like you mentioned the hub world and you kind of go back to it a couple times, but nothing really happens there. You get a couple really super, super inconsequential throwaway side quests, which are really super dumb. Like you don't really do anything there. And I kind of wondered why they even had it in the first place. Like it would have been just the same if they had crafted a totally linear level after level and just like took you along the story. Nothing really would have been lost even. So I just, I just didn't find that it had the kind of action or the depth to the action that really hooked me. And I honestly just got sick of seeing red hallways after a while. Like, it just got, like, <laughs> I mean, like, I'm not lying, right? Like, the whole game is fucking red hallways, dude. You're, you're I mean, not right? wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah, so I totally get why you like it, and that's totally cool. Like, I know that you are way more a fan of that stuff than I am. And I'm a fan of it, too, but I know you're, like, a super fan of that stuff. So 
I can get I can get White won you over, but uh, yeah, I yeah I still don't recommend that to anybody. But I guess if you're a super <laughs> fan like Corey, there might be something to look into there. I mean, would you recommend it to folks or not really? I mean, part of the reason why I I I have to you know I can't doubt this about myself. Part of the reason why I liked it as much as I did is because I didn't have to pay for it. So like. It was free, which is a, the, like the most backhanded compliment you could ever possibly give to a game. Because I think full price, this is like twenty or twenty five dollars, and I'm not. Oh god! I know. I don't. I don't think this game is twenty dollars good. But if it's like, and but this is also one of those games that's like always on sale. Like every other week, it's on like a Steam sale or on a PSN sale. Usually, it's like fifty, or usually it's like uh, it's like fifty percent off most of the time. Um, I don't, I would not recommend this at full price, but, um, I think it's, if it's like $10 or less for sure, um, I just, but, uh, you know, hearing both of our takes and I'm sure that people can make up their minds on whether they think they would like this game or not. Like if you, you know, if you're into that kind of style and you can really dig it, then maybe it'll hook you in like it did me. But, um, because a game like, like a similar game, like Bastion, like Bastion was like, that was like everybody loved Bastion, and I tried it a couple of times. And I'm not saying these are the same games, but they're like they play similarly in ways. And like, I couldn't get into Bastion because it like, you know, it's like a fairy tale and it looks cartoony and um, it's just not really my style. But you like map that kind of same gameplay into something that's like super cool and like cyberpunky and like dirty and greasy and just like really really badass. And I'm like totally there for it. So. I would recommend it, uh, but only probably not for full price, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I hate to be that guy, and I know that it's a weird space to find yourself in where you're, like, equating someone's work with how much it costs and value and all that stuff. But, yeah, I mean, I just to be perfectly honest, yeah, I mean, maybe 10 bucks or something, 5 bucks, And, like, if you look at this game and you really, really like the way it looks, maybe there will be enough in there for you. But I, otherwise, I don't think I would recommend it. But, yeah, I mean, like you said, Based on our two varying takes, that's probably enough information for someone to judge for themselves. So, any final thoughts before we move on? Uh, I don't think so. But knowing, knowing what you know now, how do you feel about the fact that I didn't tell you that I was going to talk about Ruiner? Oh, that was neat. I'm, I'm glad that uh, <laughs> I'm glad that you didn't tell me, uh, and I'm glad that I was able to guess it. So that was that ended up being a nice. I hate surprises, but that was a pleasant surprise. So that was that was fine. I know I, uh, I right, almost tweeted about it like four times yesterday and I was like, I can't tweet about this because Brad's going to see it. No. And he's going to know. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough sometimes to not share stuff over Twitter. Like you really want to share everything. And yeah, I've been in that same place too. I get you. I'm glad you saved it though. Cause that was a nice surprise. Uh, okay. I will get on to my second and final batch of dismissals. Once again, these are all games that I did not like and I stopped playing them really quickly, but I have to have something to talk about. So here is what I have to talk about. I'll go a little slower this time to give you some some room to jump in if you want to. Apologies last time I was going really quickly. <laughs> uh, the first one is called Impact Winter, which is one that I was really, really, really interested in. came out on PC like last year, maybe. It was a story about a meteor that hits Earth and something about, you know, the impact of the meteor kicks up a bunch of dust and it fucks up the environment the whole world is plunged into like this like perma perma winter and the temperature's dropping and people are you know freezing to death and stuff and so you play a survivor who has three other survivors with him you're inside this like abandoned church and so there's like snow and ice and all like everything is just like wintry freezing cold you need to survive for 30 days 
before help will arrive to rescue you. Uh, so it's a top-down, kind of it vaguely looks like a Diablo kind of a style, kind of a perspective. Um, you have a backpack that you carry stuff in. You have to manage heat and food and water and rest. So it's got the survival aspects to it. You also have a little robot that goes along with you who can ping its radar. It can drill through ice. It can use a flashlight and various other robot activities like that. So basically, your three people that you're with, three or four people, I can't remember how many it is. It might be four people. Each one has a different specialty. Like one survivor is really good at cooking food. One survivor is really good at fixing things. One survivor is being, is able to fix up your robot. And one survivor is good at like hunting and like, you know, like pitching a tent and living in the wilderness and stuff like that. So you, they each give you some quests. You have to figure out which quests you want to do. And there's not really enough time to do them all. You have to like kind of pick and choose. They each have their associated unlocks, so forth and so on. So you just kind of go out in the world and they'll be like, oh, we need something, something for heat or we need something, something for water, whatever. And you just like walk around and there'll be like different locations. You're finding like roofs of houses that are so snowed in. The only way you can get in is by getting in through a hole in the roof and you collect stuff. You'll find like, you know, food or tools or materials or whatever and send it back to your base or bring it back to your base and build whatever you need. So all this sounds totally like my jam. I like post-apocalyptic games. I like survival games. I like scenarios like this where it's not really about the combat, but it's about, you know, being clever and building things and all that stuff. But where Impact Winter fell down for me is that this is a game about collecting stuff and crafting, which not really my favorite thing, but in a game like this, I don't mind it at all. It's fine. It's kind of part of the, the jam. But you have this tiny ass backpack. It's like one of those really small backpacks that like teenage girls wear when they go to the mall and like all it holds is like their purse and like a lip gloss and it's got those strings that goes over their shoulders like it's not really a backpack right it's like a purse with strings on it you know what i'm talking about yeah i know what you're talking about oh yeah yeah God. it's like it's one of those so you're wearing one of those fashion girl backpacks where like there's literally nothing inside the backpack and whenever you go out your inventory fills up like immediately you pick up three things and your inventory is full and so i'm like fuck this game is all about crafting stuff they want you to bring stuff back all the time but your backpack is constantly full and so you got to like walk back and forth and walk back and forth and walk back and forth takes up time takes up resources it's a pain in the ass and it's not fun to just like go back and forth where all you're doing is shuttling stuff back and forth and like everybody wants something different and it's pretty hard to keep track of like what you need so it's like oh i want to build the heater how many tin cans did i need how many coils did i need ah, i don't remember okay well i'll get these ah shit i need one more okay gotta go back get that other thing and you're just kind of going back and forth, which is kind of a drag uh, because I like the aesthetics. I like the concept. The developers almost fixed this. And um, Dan Weissenberger, writer at Game Critics, reviewed this for us. He, he actually called this out in his review, and I think he was 100% on the money. Uh, when you build a little tent for yourself out in, in the snow, you can go to sleep to regain your health and you know rest and all that stuff. Your robot can actually be loaded up with goods and the robot will fly back to base and drop that stuff off, which sounds fine, except the robot has limited inventory and you can only send them back when you're sleeping. So like you send them back with one load of stuff and you're like, okay, I used up some resources to build a tent, sent the robot back. Now I have a full uh, empty inventory. I can collect some more stuff, go back to the tent and you want to send the robot back. And your guy's like, I'm not tired. Shit. So I can't, I can't sleep. Because he's not tired, and therefore I can't send the robot back. And it's like, why can I not send the robot back? Send him back. Robot, 
you're a robot. Do what I say. Go back. Bring the stuff back. Like, it doesn't let you do that. And so by not having a way to quickly send stuff back to base, the game just really, really breaks down to, like, all I'm doing is running back and forth from location A, getting a load of stuff, coming back, you know, giving whatever it is, going back to location again, bringing stuff back, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So instead of being about really about survival or about crafting things or about, like, adventure it's literally just about like inventory management and like having a full backpack all the time, which is a drag. If they had enabled your robot to be able to go back and forth at any time, that game would have been like 1000% better and it would have been way more interesting, and way more fun. So it's a really shame that they did not do that, but I played it for maybe four or five hours and I just like, I just got fucking sick of my backpack being full and I just didn't want to do that anymore. And it just was really missing the point of like what a game like that should be about. So that was really unfortunate. Um, yeah, so I, I bail on that one pretty quick. Any thoughts on that, Corey? Um, I actually, I'm glad that you talked about this game because I remember you sending out the Game Critics review emails, and this is one of the games where, I don't know if it was like the title that struck me, but I looked it up, uh, like I looked up, a, I think, a YouTube trailer for it or something, and I thought about reviewing this game, but it is my worst nightmare whenever you, I mean, not my worst nightmare, it's up there, it's in my top, <laughs> it's in my top 10 nightmares. Um, of getting a game that you think is going to look good or that maybe plays really well, but there's, like, one, like, dumb mechanic or one, like, thing in the game that just, like, stops it from being, like, great. And I... Maybe something in the back of my mind, maybe my video game reviewing Spidey Sense was tingling or something, and that's why I didn't uh, ask you for this game. But it looked interesting, but I'm glad that I missed out on that backpack inventory situation and didn't have to put it because if i had to put up with that for the entire game i would not have been a happy camper it really baffles me how they didn't fix that because they must have been aware of it i mean i'm sure that anybody playing this game that would be like the first thing they talk about is like if you're in an inventory game you don't want to be hassling with your inventory all the time especially if you like got to make these return trips it blows me away how they didn't fix that and if they thought that was a good way to run this game well then they don't understand what makes their game fun I just, it really baffles me what happened to that. And I'm sure if there's some developer listening, they're probably screaming at the podcast, right? You don't understand game development. You don't know what this guy did. Okay, I get it. I get it. But like the bottom line is that decision killed that fucking game. And it's too bad they didn't fix that because that would have been a pretty cool game otherwise. So anyway, moving on, uh, talking about Schoolgirl Zombie Hunter, uh, <laughs> pretty much says it all right there in the title <laughs> don't know how much more i need to say uh obviously it's a japanese game that got ported to the states uh you literally are a bunch of schoolgirls. you can you have a thing there's like five total you rotate through them and zombies invade the school why i don't know because you got have something to shoot and zombies are an okay thing to shoot and why not so you're in this high school you're running around collecting guns, collecting weapons, collecting outfits, uh, doing these very small bite-sized missions that are basically just like, you know, hey, get to point A and kill all the zombies or defend this point from the zombies or snipe these zombies. And th I mean, that's really kind of all it really is gameplay wise, uh, which would be fine, except for like it really falls down in the places where it really needs to excel. Because in a game like Schoolgirl Zombie Hunter... Okay, so, like, let's back up a little bit. I'm not into the whole schoolgirl thing. Like, I think it's kind of creepy. Like, I know that some people really get off on that, and that's fine if they're legal, I guess, if they're over 18. I think that's too young. 
And I'm not into that whole, like, Lolita, Japanese, this character looks like she's seven, but she's actually 21, so it's okay to lust after her. Like, I'm not down with any of that stuff. I think it's kind of creepy. Uh, I am not against, like, porn in games or boobs or anything. Like, I'm all, I'm fine with that, but it's got to be, like, appropriate. Um, and this game, to me, for my, my personal sensibilities, and I'm sure that there are, you know, Japanese game fans who are all now, who are, it's their turn to, like, yell at the podcast and they're telling me it's fine. I, it's a little skeevy to me. So I think they skew too young in this game. And on top of that, they just, the models that they use are really weird and plasticky and bizarre looking. So I guess if the point of this game is to be really titillating, it fails, not only because I think some of them look too young, but the ones that don't look young just look weird and like <laughs> super like uncanny valley gross, if you well, know what the, I mean. Like those just... are your two choices in life, Brad. You either look young or you look weird. That's it. <laughs> weird. I, I mean, I guess I swing weird then, I suppose. <laughs> Because swinging young is just really weird. So I, I was I was thinking, like, if titillation was the, the, the key, this game was not uh, cutting that. Uh, this is not, not clearing that bar for me. I mean, I, just to give, like, a really quick example, I mean, of, of something that I think is super titillating and appropriate and gets its job done, something like, um, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm totally... The, the ninja game where it's kind of like a Musou game and I totally am blanking on it. I've played every single game in the series, and I totally can't remember what it's called. Tell me out, Corey. I know. I know you like those big titty games. I, I, I actually know exactly what you're talking about, but I can't remember the name of it either. What is it called? It's called... Oh, my God. I can see it in my head. I don't remember, but... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that game that's put out by Marvelous, which is like a Musou game, that game is titillating, but it's also more appropriate, and it's also a pretty good game, and it, like, it, it lands on all the marks. And... Also, it has a very good story, and I feel like a total moron because I can't remember what it's called right now. But um, the story in Schoolgirl Zombie Hunter is garbage, and it's not even garbage <laughs> in like the whole oh, it's B movie cheesy garbage. It's like it's so bad that I was like skipping through because I didn't want to hear it. It was like oh, we gotta go to this classroom, and oh, we gotta find like it was just like it was just crap. Like it was just like I didn't care about any of it. Like it was really painful to sit through so i wasn't able to like enjoy like laughing along with like a b-movie story like it, the characters were not endearing to me they were really irritating and obnoxious to me so i didn't like the characters and the gameplay would have been okay because i can skip through the cutscenes. but they do this weird thing where they break their own rules a lot of the time and i really can't stand when any game does that so like for example you'll be in the, in a school hallway and you'll just be running down the hallway shooting zombies and then there will be like this like weird energy barrier that's there for no other reason than the fact that they want you to take like a right turn at this hallway because they want you to go down there. So instead of having like a legit reason for you to turn that way, like the ceiling caves in or there's too many zombies you can't get through or something, they just throw this like weird glowing energy barrier and you, you turn because they, they shuttle you where they want you to shuttle. And then the next time you come back, like that barrier's not there or sometimes you're, you're trying to get out of this place and you think it's an exit and you get close. There's like another energy barrier because they don't want you to go that way. And it just, it just, they kind of like section off those levels at random. And so like, I felt like I never fully knew like what was safe to go, where I should be going, what they really wanted me to do. Because sometimes hallways are blocked. Sometimes they're not blocked. Sometimes it's clear to go over here. Sometimes it's not clear to go over there. Like it just was really frustrating. And I wish that they had taken more time to like be very thoughtful about how they design their environments to really implement more common sense, more natural features rather than just throwing these cheapy like energy barriers whenever they needed you to do something. So didn't care for the story, didn't care for how they broke up the levels. The models were weird and not titillating at all in, in, in any way that worked for me. 
And I just was like, I'm out. Like, I just don't want to do this at all. So uh, bailed on that pretty quickly. Any any thoughts on that? Say, think, Come up with a thought real quick while I Google that game real quick because I feel stupid for not remembering <laughs> what it is. I know. I've been trying to think of what it's called. And it's going to be one of those games where as soon as we both hear it, we're going to be like, oh, a fucking course. That's what it is. Oh, I got it. Okay. Senran Kagura. That's what it is. That's <laughs> I, what it is. I would have never. I never would have remembered that. That is the game that I think is more successful at being titillating and also a good game and also has a good story. So that that's the kind of thing that I'm totally okay with. Also, Dragon's Crown. Do you ever play Dragon's Crown, Corey? I have not. Dragon's Crown is coming back out for PS4. It's a uh, side-to-side basher, kind of like a final fight kind of a thing. It's the one where, like, the chicks were, like, mega, like, ridiculously over-endowed, and there was, like, a big hubbub about it in the PR sphere where some game journals got really put out because the ladies were so like busty and stuff i mean that's the kind of thing where it's like george kamatani is the artist if anybody knows george kamatani but uh like that's that's it's 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 setting out very specifically to do something it does it really well if that's not your thing fine but it, it does what it does successfully which is where schoolgirl zombie hunter i feel like is not successful on basically any level so <laughs> anyway all right thank you for covering for me uh, final game that I'm going to dismiss out of hand is, oh, Survive Mr. Cube was a small game from Korea put together by a three-person team from a brand new publisher, or at least a publisher that's brand new to me. This is a roguelike, and it's actually not bad. Like, it's actually pretty good in a lot of ways, but it feels just really unfinished. Um, the premise... I don't even want to tell you what the premise is because the premise is stupid. It was it was really stupid. Uh, there's this really awkward cutscene at the beginning that I felt like actually like kind of took away from my game experience. I kind of wish they didn't include that, but forget the story. The story doesn't matter. Basically, what you're doing is you you get randomly assigned a character that looks like a little Minecraft character, or like a, you know a little Lego style character. Every character has a different weapon and attack, and there's like a bunch of those characters. And the entire time I played that game. I never saw the same character twice, which I think is really cool. So there's like a lot of variety in characters. Some have a hammer, some have a sword, some have a spear, etc., etc., etc. You go into this world, very simple world, and you just have to kill a bunch of monsters. You want to look for the warp portal to get to the next world. Just keep doing that, keep doing that, keep doing that till you get to the end of the game, apparently, and then that's the end of the game. Uh, people tell me you can beat it in one sitting. I had never finished the game. Um, basically, because the, the combat was okay but there wasn't enough in it to really make it come to life as a roguelike i mean with a roguelike you got to have like weird things happen like you got to pick up items you got to pick up new weapons you got to keep changing it up you got to have like a variety of enemies like you got to have these moment to moment kind of tactical decisions which make roguelikes really interesting um, like if you play binding of isaac you can pick up a weapon that totally changes how your character controls it can be a lot better it can be a lot worse and having to deal with that decision is really interesting or like you know in Darkest Dungeon, which is kind of like a roguelike, you know, you can get hit with a status that you didn't think you were going to get hit with, and that can totally fuck up your party. Or your party can get mixed around by this unexpected attack, and then you totally have to change your tactics and kind of roll with it. So there's like this moment-to-moment kind of tactical consideration, which adds spice to any any good roguelike. Um, in this game, that never happens, and I think that's probably its biggest problem. You start out with your character, and it's neat to kind of relearn each character, because the mace is different from the sword, is different from the shield, is different from the so-and-so-and-so-on. But once you get a handle on your character, that's basically it. Like, the enemies are all kind of the same. Um, you don't really almost ever pick up a new weapon. Like, every once in a while, you'll pick up a new weapon, but it's pretty rare. So you're kind of just, like, wash, rinse, repeat, killing the same bugs and the same rats 
over and over and over until you get to the portal and then you get to the next level, you kind of just do it again. So I think that they are on the right track by having a wide variety of characters, which is great. And I think that the combat basics, the core of what they had was fine, but like you have to pick up a weapon. You got to have a new enemy. You got to have something weird happen. You got to like something to spice it up because if all you're doing is just taking this one character that doesn't change and killing a bunch of like 10,000 rats until you get to the end, like it's not interesting. It's not exciting. So I think if these guys had given their game maybe six more months in the oven or maybe even a year and just really fleshed it out, I think that they would be in real good shape. I think these guys are on the right track. I like what they were doing. It just feels like this is half a game. Like it feels like they just, they shipped it and it wasn't done. And if they like emailed me in six months and said, oh my God, we totally patched out all this stuff. We've got new features. I would happily come back to it because I think this one has potential, but I don't know if they're going to keep working on it. I don't know what their plans are. And in its current state, it just feels like it's only halfway there, which is a shame. So I bailed on that. But I, like I said, I would gladly come back if they ever emailed me and told me they finished it. So good start. I wish them well. They've got some talent. They just need to bake things a little longer, I think. <laughs> um, any thoughts, Corey, before I wrap it up? Those are my three dismissals. That's all I had for this final segment here. Any thoughts on those? I don't think so. All right, cool. Let's roll ahead we this normally would be the end of the show but uh we did get some correspondence in that we do want to address um so we're all done with games talk we're going to get to q a right now uh first off let me get to superfan jeroon in germany uh listeners of the show will no doubt be very familiar with jeroon's questions he's a great guy sends us random questions all the time uh he only had a couple this month uh didn't have the epic epic q a that he had last time <laughs> Uh, so the first question he has is, uh, hey, please talk about Kingdom Come Deliverance with a disclaimer that the producer or whoever is an idiot. So <laughs> we we didn't talk about I don't did we talk about this in the show, Corey? Ever? The, the only time we talked about this, you had seen it at PAX or something and you talked about how it looked really interesting and you were looking forward to it. But that was before all of the shit came out about how like there's like no black people in the game or there's no basically it's like all white people in the game and it turned into this big like PR monster for them because like the whole thing about the game was how they were trying to make it as historically accurate as possible but then it's like all white people in the game so it ended up being really stupid so the only time we talked about it I think is whenever you had played it at PAX like a year and a half ago or something but we never talked about it once it came out. Yeah, so you're you're good recall, man. That is exactly correct. I played the um, a really early preview version, and I thought it actually looked pretty cool. Pretty open world, a lot of options, um, a lot of different ways to solve quests, and they had like recreated, like like literally recreated this town which was in, oh god, I want to say it's like Czechoslovakia or something. I apologize if that's not the right country, but they. They had basically like brick for brick recreated like this actual real world location, like all the buildings, all the huts, all the towers they had, like some of that stuff is still there in real life. And so they like went back and did all that. They hired a historian to go over their quests to make sure that their quests were like within the realm of possibility that, you know, something that could have actually happened back then. They had to fudge it a little bit, but, you know, they really were trying to make sure that these quests were like realistic and that they were solvable in many different ways. And... Uh, you know, the story was supposed to be good and it's supposed to be like all oh, many different things you could do, like all this freedom. It looked great. I mean, I was excited for this game. Uh, very excited. And then, like you said, as it got closer to release, 
turns out that like I don't I forget who it was. It was like the producer or the director. Turned out to be a guy who was like a real pro Gamergate asshole. Also, apparently he was something of a racist and had some ties to like some racist groups. They were talking a bunch of shit about how they wanted this game to be, like you said, like historically accurate. So there was no black people or brown people of any kind, which apparently is not the truth, because if you go back and look, there were people like that in that country. So they're trying to do this like revisionist history sort of a thing. And I, I didn't see any of this coming. I wasn't aware of any of this until really, really close to release, like maybe like a week or two before release. Like we were getting ready to review it. I was getting ready to play it. We were going to talk about it on the show. We had a guy lined up to cover it at Game Critics. And then when the shit came out, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. We are not promoting a Gamergate game. We're not promoting a white supremacy game. I mean, I can't speak for everybody on the team. I don't know if everybody on the team feels like that. I, you know, who knows? But this guy was pretty outspoken about that stuff back in the day. And I, you know, I was not going to let that go. Like we are a very ethical side. We believe certain things. We believe in, you know, diversity and supporting people of all races, creeds, and orientations, and genders, and everything. I mean, we're, we're, we're open and inclusive. We're not going to be supporting shit like this. And so I, I reached out to PR, and I was like, hey, you guys, um, I didn't know anything about this until just now. So now that I know about it, I would like to talk with the team to see, like, what is the real scoop? Like, I mean, do you guys want to talk to us, and can you tell us how you plan to address this? What is the reality? I want to hear your side of it. Never got back to us. I put in a second request. I said, hey, I, we're not going to cover this game unless we talk about this first, because I want to feel okay that we're, we're all understanding and all on the same page before I put this on my site. And can we talk about this please? And never heard back. Mm. So, um, I don't blame the PR people. I know the PR people, they are good people and they work real hard. Uh, so I don't blame them, but clearly the people at the studio had no interest in talking about this. Therefore we had no interest in covering it at game critics. I had no interest in playing it. And that is as far as it goes. So, Jeroen, I'm really sorry. I cannot talk about this game. I have not played it. We have not covered it at Game Critics. I currently have no plans to do so because you have to draw a fucking line somewhere and I will not talk about a game or support a game with this kind of cloud surrounding it. Now, if he had, if the, if the studio had talked to us, if they had wanted to clear this up or explain what had happened, if they had presented a convincing case for their side, maybe that would be different. But they didn't reply to two separate requests for interviews. And if they're not going to talk to me, I'm not going to take the risk. So we just let that thing go. So that's where we ended up on that. <sighs> A shame, because that game looked interesting. But, you know, like I said, you got to draw the line somewhere. Um, moving on, Drune has one more question. And this one I'm going to let you take the lead on, Corey, because it seems like a real fucking softball. Oh, jeez. Uh, okay. Right up your alley, sir. He says... Is Mankind Divided a fun game? I think you might have an opinion. He says, uh, <laughs> I, know you, I know you guys favor human, uh, human Revolution, but I can't play that since it's not available on PSN, question uh, mark. So is, is Mankind Divided a fun game? I have my opinion, but Corey, please take the lead. What do you think about Deus Ex Mankind Divided? Um, I feel like my opinion on Deus Ex Mankind Divided has been well documented on the show, but just as a refresher, I really like that game. It is fun. Um, it basically improves upon Human Revolution and its control fluidity and in its graphics and in feeling like slightly less, um, stilted maybe, but... Uh, Human Revolution is the superior game, in my opinion. I love Human Revolution. I think it's uh, it's like one of my favorite games of all time. I've played it like, I don't know, like 40 times or something. I totally love it. However, Mankind Divided is still good. Like, if you're interested in that kind of genre that has, you know, that's like a first-person 
stealthy exploration game where a lot of the game is spent, um, you know, like exploring and talking to people and, you know, kind of deciding if you want to go into a situation guns blazing or if you want to really kind of talk your way out or stealth your way around or whatever. Like, it's pretty, um, you know, it's a pretty excellent game. It's got a lot of the same qualities like, you know, that Dishonored has and games like that, um, even like Prey to an extent. So um, I definitely recommend uh, Mankind Divided. I think it's great. It's beautiful. Um, it's just a lot of the things, a lot of the qualities, such as like the story, um, the environmental design, uh, the changes in environmental design are not as good as Human Revolution, but I still I still recommend Mankind about it. I think it's a really solid game. I think it's worse than Human Revolution in a lot of ways, but I don't think it's a bad game at all. I think it's um I think it's very good. And I was thinking about this with um this very small tangent. Um whenever I was thinking about God of War, whenever we talked about it like three shows in a row, I feel very similarly this is going to sound maybe strange, but I feel very similarly about God of War as I do about Deus Ex Mankind Divided because it's one of those games that I played and that I liked. But if you ask me what I think about it, I immediately start talking about all the things I don't like about it rather than the things I do like about it. Because like I was really rooting for Mankind Divided and it's like it's kind of like that little brother that like failed his exam and now I just want to like be tough on him. Like that's how I feel about Mankind Divided. But Still a very, very good game, uh, but I just think Human Revolution is better in in almost every way, but I still, still recommend it. Uh, as for me, I don't think I would recommend it. It's not terrible, but like Human Revolution was awesome, even though it had the problematic boss battles, but apparently those have been fixed or at least they've been you know, reduced in difficulty or whatever. Um, but I, I just, uh, I just didn't like it. Like I didn't feel like anything about it was better than what human revolution did. And I don't know. It was just like a step down. And if it wasn't going to be better then I'm not sure that I wanted more of it. And the story I think didn't manage to captivate me where it was kind of about like in, in mankind divided where people who had augments or people who didn't, they were kind of being, you know, discriminated against. And there was like this whole like, you know, what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be part bionic or whatever? Like that story just didn't come together for me. And I didn't really find it to be very engaging. Um, it seemed like a really good starting place, but I just don't think the developers followed through. So I was hoping the story would hook me. It didn't. And as far as the gameplay and stuff goes, I just I mean, it's kind of like you said, I just feel like everything was better in Human Revolution. And I just didn't didn't want to play a less good version of it. Um, so, I mean, if you don't have like, if you absolutely don't have any way to play human revolution at all, then I guess give it a shot. But if you've got the choice, definitely go human revolution. And uh, I'm going to be really out on a limb here and say, I actually even like the original Deus Ex even better. Like you, you, you played the original Deus Ex, right? Not all of it, just some of it. Okay, so, like, even though it's, like, old as hell and, like, really outdated and clunky and stuff, I feel like the original Deus Ex was way better. I mean, is a, is a better experience if you can put up with the clunkiness. Human Revolution's great, but, like, out of those three games, like, Mankind Divided would be my last choice. And, honestly, I didn't even finish Mankind Divided. It just lost me. I just didn't feel like uh, keeping up with it. So, uh, I mean, if you got nothing else, no other choices, that's the only thing you got, then go for it. But if you've got other choices, I would say pick either of those other two games first 
So, all right, we have one more batch of questions, and then we're going to wrap up the show. Uh, now, Corey, we got a couple of comments from a new commenter who is DJ Dad Jokes, which I think we both <laughs> love that name. Uh, and he, I, we, I guess we have to apologize because we overlooked these comments because were they on the SoundCloud? Is that where they were at? Yeah. So I, every week when I finish editing the show, I put it on sound. Like, I think we've said on the show like a million times, SoundCloud is our like where we host it first and then it goes from SoundCloud and gets pushed everywhere else. And honestly, I feel like most of our audience doesn't listen to it directly on SoundCloud and I don't get any kind of like push notifications or emails or anything for if people leave us comments on SoundCloud or people like, like, like quote unquote, like like the tracks on SoundCloud. Um, and so last week, whenever I published episode 81, I click the little notification bell because usually it's I mean, to be honest, most of the time when I click the notification bell on SoundCloud, it's spam comments that have already been filtered out by SoundCloud itself. And so I clicked on it and much to my surprise, uh, DJ Dad Jokes, which is a hilarious name. Um, that is a good name. Yeah, that is a good name. He, um, he had left us some comments, but it was on a show that we had published like almost a month ago. So I felt really bad because like. I should have seen them before then because we could have addressed uh, his comments on like probably like two or three shows, but I just saw them last time. So sorry, dude, if you're listening, I'm sure you are. Um, we, uh, we will discuss your questions and comments now, and I'm sorry that we did not get to them sooner, but that is totally my fault. Yeah. Apologies, man. Uh, we definitely want to like, we love comments. We love questions. We love hearing from our listeners. So sorry. We didn't see your comment. Uh, apologies for that. And, uh, we will try to do, uh, a better job of that in the future but for now uh let us get to your actual question um so we had a couple comments but he said question for you both <laughs> ironically did you guys ever play the last of us if so what did you think of the game not sure if you guys reviewed the game already on the show and my apologies if you did so first off no need to apologize we did talk about we didn't cover it like we usually would cover a game but we did talk about it a few times it's come up a few times um, so if you missed that, I wouldn't blame you. It was, it's not anything that we like officially covered. I don't think, um, but we can go over it really, really quickly. Corey, would you like to bring up what you think of the last of us? Oh God, should I go first? <laughs> I, I, I just, I'm leaving it open for you. Okay. Well, uh, okay. So I feel like I've beaten this like, this, like to death, but my, my whole spiel about the last of us, I feel similarly about The Last of Us that I did about the newest God of War, and that I think it's a good game, but I am not at that level where everybody's like, oh my God, 10 out of 10, this is the best story I've ever experienced in a video game. I cried 15 times while playing it. It's so amazing. It's so innovative. It's such a, a you know, a groundbreaker for video game storytelling. Like, I am nowhere near that level of liking this game. I think it is a competent um stealthy action game i think it tells a decent story um i was not like moved by it um because i don't think i honestly don't think the story that it's telling is that great because at the end of the day it's a fucking zombie story and like we have enough of those in the world already um but I do think it's good. Like, whenever it first came out, I was really hard on it because, for much for the same reason, like, I feel like whenever we were discussing God of War, like, when it came out, everybody was talking about how it was, like, the greatest game they've ever played, and it was perfect, and it was amazing, and I played it, and I was like, yeah, it's, like, pretty good, but, like, 
I don't really know. Like I, there's just some that whatever that piece of my brain that like is missing. That's that everybody else has that thing. That's like letting them connect with these games to make them think that it's like, you know, the, the greatest game ever or, or whatnot. Like, I don't know what, what my deal is. Cause I feel like it's more like, it's my problem. Like I just can't get there with these kind of games. Um, but like I think it's I think it's good, but I think it's very overrated, um, and I think that uh, Naughty Dog is uh, gets a huge pass from the entire critical gaming sphere on pretty much everything they develop. Um, I think it is very critic proof, much like the Uncharted games, for some reason. Um, but I do, I mean, despite the disdain in my voice that's probably very apparent i do like it i just think it's overrated and i think its fan base is a little too ravenous for me all right as for me i actually like that game a lot uh it was my game of the year when it came out so i'm definitely a fan uh i think it's the best game that naughty dog has ever done um and to be totally transparent like i am not the biggest naughty dog fan like i don't i do not like uncharted i don't think those games are worthy of the praise that they get and i totally get what you mean about those games being critic proof which is just really bizarre to me i think there's a lot to pick apart in those games but they just get this total pass but in the case of last of us i did feel like the praise was deserved this is one of the very few times when i thought the game really was worthy of the hype and it was not overblown uh really enjoyed the story Really enjoyed, like, all the emotional moments. I thought there was a lot of cool moments. Um, it was maybe a little bit long, but I didn't really mind that too much. I think that most of that playtime is very well earned. Uh, walked away from it, really enjoying my time. I really liked the ending of it. I thought the ending was very cool. Um, also, the DLC in Last of Us is tremendous. It is, like, one of the best things I've ever played. Um, the DLC is just, like, just just out of this world. Like, I just love what they did with it. It was so touching and so human and so real. Uh, the DLC, I think, is better than the main game, and I thought the main game was, was really, really good. So I like the action. I like, you know, the zombies. I definitely go softer on the zombies than Corey does, so I've got a little, you know, he gets a plus one for me for zombie inclusion. <laughs> uh, and I just, I thought the the moment-to-moment the -moment combat was pretty good. I liked a little bit of crafting, but not too much, just enough to kind of keep you on your toes. A lot of really tense moments. So I liked it a lot. I, I really uh, enjoy that game from start to finish. Uh, I do not have any regrets about picking it as my game of the year, and I do recommend it to people who are looking for something like that, who really want something that can um, connect with you in a slightly more human way than most games tend to do. So I can see that's not for everybody, uh, and I think I definitely like it more than Corey does, uh, but I, I think it's very, very good. Uh, definitely Naughty Dog's best game, best thing they've ever done by like a mile, so... I want to second you real quick, though, on the DLC, uh, Last of Us Left Behind. Despite my lukewarm take on The Last of Us, I think uh, the DLC Left Behind is also tremendous. I I love that it's sold as a standalone package, so you can just like buy it on PSN if you don't want to buy the whole game or if you don't own the whole game. And it's like... It's like a bite-sized version of everything you get in the full package of The Last of Us, but like better at everything than the than the main campaign does. I adore that DLC, so I want to uh, second you on that. You know, the thing that I think that that DLC gets right more than like 99.9% .9 of the industry is like they fucking take the time to just let those conversations that the main characters have breathe. Like there's a lot of scenes in that game where they're not fighting, they're not running away. They're just like 
hanging out and talking and they really like nail that conversation. Like I can totally believe the things that they're saying. It sounds real. I can understand the emotion. Um, and they just, they don't stuff it full of collectibles. They don't stuff it full of combat. I mean, there is combat in it, but it's like, there's plenty of time in that, in that DLC where they're just being people and they are so in tune with like that vibe. Like, I think it's just a wonderful piece of writing. It's, I mean, it's, it's so wonderfully human. I say that so rarely about games, but they really nail the humanity in that DLC. Like I felt for those characters, they felt real to me and it just was so touching. Uh, I just, I love that DLC. That is, I mean, I would hold that up as like one of the finest things ever produced. And in fact, uh, I did give it a perfect 10 out of 10 and I've only given, I think maybe like three perfect scores in like the last like 19 years. So it's pretty fucking rare that I give a 10 out of 10, but that one, that one definitely earned a 10 out of 10. I feel like that was like magnificent. So uh, I love the last of us and I love the DLC even more. So DJ dad jokes, uh, again, apologies for not getting to your comment earlier. Please forgive us. And hopefully we answered your question. That is it for Q and a. And also I just want to really quickly reiterate, we love getting comments. We love getting questions. Uh, if you send it on SoundCloud, maybe post it somewhere else so we get a little quicker, but we will definitely be <laughs> watching those boards a little more closely. Sorry about that. But we love hearing from you. Please send us your comments, questions, thoughts, anything, like anything, literally. We have proven on the show time and time again, we will answer any question you send to us no matter what it's about. So please don't be shy. Uh, otherwise, that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, quick reminder to stick around after the ending music to hear tonight's banter. Otherwise, feel free to bail, and we will catch you next week. If you do want to reach out to us, you can uh, email us, sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. You can also post comments for us at gamecritics.com uh, once the show goes up there. We are also on Twitter as a collective show, at sovideogames, but you can also reach us individually. And I will say, uh, I'm not speaking for you, Corey, but for me, Twitter is probably the best way to get a hold of me. Is that, is that a pretty good way for you? That is correct. All right. So for me, my Twitter handle is my name, Brad Galloway, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. Uh, Corey? Mine is also my first and last name. It's Corey Motley, C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. All right. And that brings us to the end of another So Video Games. We'll be back next week with another installment. And in the meantime, this is Bye from Brad. And Bye from Corey. We will see you guys next week. feels like I haven't done this in a year and we just did it like f four days ago or whatever. Oh, so bizarre. <laughs> okay. And, okay. So here we are. It is our new Monday recording day, which shall be our new day for the next seven weeks. Feels kind of weird to be doing this on a Monday. What do you think? Uh, it feels, I think it feels good to be doing it on a Monday, but it feels weird because Although we only recorded a day later than usual last week, and maybe it's because I had a super busy weekend, it kind of feels like we just recorded our last show like a day and a half ago and we're already recording again. Yeah, it felt really weird to get back to the studio so quick. Although the timing was actually pretty good because I had a shite load of games that I did not talk about on the last show because we did that short episode. And I'm impressed that you found some time to talk about some stuff. So that'll be fine. Um, we can proceed with the banting as per usual. But um, if you don't mind me taking the lead here, sir, I'm going to start off the banter this week because 
we have been getting a ton, a ton of requests uh, to have my young son Whitaker on the show reading <laughs> reviews. Now, actually, uh, in the interest of full disclosure, 100% of those requests are coming from Whitaker. So I think <laughs> that we will respond to those and we will get him on the show real quickly. He uh, he knows that his older brother, his older brother, Reese, uh, was on the now defunct Game Critics podcast. Reese actually made, I think, two or three appearances over the course of the show. I didn't know that. Yeah, he did. He came on uh, at least two or three times and he had little brief game reviews every time he came on. So Woody is feeling like it's his turn for the spotlight. Dad's got a brand new podcast. He wants he wants some of that Internet notoriety <laughs> and he is pumped and ready to go. So if it's OK with you, Corey, if it's OK with you. I have my son Whitaker standing by, and he has prepped a review that he would like to share <laughs> with the entire listening world. Are you ready, sir? I am ready. Is he ready? He is. Oh, dude, you don't even know how ready <laughs> this kid is. He's so ready. All right, I'm going to step aside. I'm going to pass off the headphones to him, and I will let him uh, introduce himself to you and to the listeners, and then he will talk about uh, whatever he's got prepped. One second. I am I am Witty. You can tell my full name is Whitaker, but you can call me that. Speak to the microphone. Hey, Witty, how are you? Good. All right. You a little bit nervous? You okay? Yeah. All right. I have a game review about a game called Kerbal Space Program. If you like space games and weird aliens, well then, this is your game. <laughs> All right, tell me a little about it. So you start, you start, and you ju and in the menu, you just see like scenarios, training, and new game. What's it all about? Tell them what the whole game is about. So the whole game is about just launching to a bunch of random planets. And you build rockets. And right? build rockets, and also shuttles, planes, and the whole point is just to explore the whole galaxy. And what do you think about it? It's really good. If anyone likes, if anyone who listening, please download it on the PS4 because it's really good if you like space games. It's also on PC, right? And it's also on PC too, but it can be really frustrating sometimes. And it teaches you a lot about physics. A lot about physics. And rocketry. It teaches you a lot about physics, rocketry. Anything else? Um, it's also kind of fun launching little kerbals, which. And landing them on planets. If you don't know what they look like, you can. They're actually pretty cute. They're so just, they're, they're little little alien dudes. They're little green creatures that wear <laughs> modern spacesuits, and you can launch them anywhere. Just know if they look scared, they probably are because <laughs> make sure to check their meter. It's either they have courage and stupidity. Like one time I had one. He it was all stupidity and no courage. <laughs> he must have been a Trump supporter. <laughs> That's how your dad lives his life every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Why don't you give me your final thoughts? All right. And if you and if you want to play it, just know, do try to get to the moon. But sometimes it's hard. All right. That's all I gotta say. So say thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Woody. Oh. It's good to have you on, man. Thanks. All right. Now I will pass it back to Brad Galway. <laughs> It is me, his father, Brad Galloway. I am back That's now. That's so cute that he calls you by your first and last name. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why he did that. That was random. <laughs> it 
Anyway, all right, cool, cool. He was very he was very thrilled to share his opinion on Kerbal Space Program. So anybody listening, hopefully he has sold you on the game. Go check it out, PC, PS4. Uh, <laughs> all right, so that was my first chunk of banter. I will uh, turn the mic over to you, sir. What what have you been up to? Well, I promised last week that I would return to the show this week. Oh, that's right. About that's right. Going to Texas. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I saw that you had like spilled something on yourself at one point. Is that right? Uh, I was <laughs> I was doing makeup in the hotel room and I got some foundation on the collar of my shirt, which was very unfortunate, but it was not a disaster. So that's good news. Okay, cool. So tell us how it went. Like the so the setup was. A relative died, and you were going to go over there. You hadn't seen that side of the family in, like, 10, 15 years. Hadn't seen your dad in a couple years. Dad probably doesn't know you're married. You don't know that your dad might be married, might not be married. And we didn't. they don't know if you're gay or not, and who knows what's going on. Seems like the setup for some kind of, like, weird, you know, family reunion type movie that you might see on, like, uh, one of those cheapy cable channels. So how did it go, man? What happened? Well, it was... It was kind of weird, but it was, like, it was not unpleasant for the most part. Like, Patrick and I, so the plan was to f- drive out on Friday morning-ish, maybe, like, Friday early afternoon at the latest, and stay there Friday night. We had a hotel, um, and then the funeral stuff was happening on Saturday, and we weren't exactly sure, like, when everything was happening and then we were going to stay Saturday night and just drive back, get up early on Sunday morning and drive back. So we get there. We, we don't leave here because we're dragging ass until, like, about 1 to 2 p.m., uh, and then we it takes about six hours to get there if you count stopping for food and gas and stuff. And we get there, check into the hotel, all is well. Um, and then my dad called. My dad, like, texted me on the way, and he was like, oh, your grandma wants to know if you want to stay here at the house with us. And I was like, uh, no, thank you. Like, we have a hotel. You know, that'll, that'll be fine. Um and so my dad texts me later whenever we get in town to say that they're having a lunch for the family at the church that the funeral is at uh, at noon. And then the actual like funeral stuff was going to be happening at 2. So I kind of didn't know if I wanted to go to the lunch or not. And then decided like, okay, well, we drove all the way out here, so I might as well. And we get to the lunch and it's like, it's basically like more or less like kind of exactly how I thought it would be. It's like a bunch of family that I haven't seen in forever. Like my dad has two sisters and a brother. I don't think his brother was there, but his two sisters were there who I know. I mean, I, I remembered from growing up. Um, and so I got there, you know, I gave my dad a hug, uh, said hello. And then I saw my grandma for the first time in like 15 or so years. And it was her husband who had died, who was my dad's stepdad. Her first husband died probably about 20 years ago. And she remarried probably like five years after that or so. Um, and so, you know, it was nice to see everybody. Um, and we like had kind of like the like a little lunch on the inside, and it was there was probably about forty people there, maybe. And I only knew like ten people in the room. And the weird thing is that we like go through the little like line to get our food, and Patrick and I are ahead of my dad, and we go and sit down in the back corner with my dad's sister, who we had been talking to, and her husband for most of the time. My dad gets his food and does not sit at the same table that Patrick and I are at, which was what? a very a very curious choice to me. And it wasn't like I don't think he like was trying to be rude and honestly I didn't really care that much. It was just weird that he did not sit 
at the same table that I was at, considering it was the first time we'd seen each other in like four years or so. Well, yeah, and, like, I, I would think he would want to sit like right next to you and like be talking to you and getting caught up and shit. Yeah, it was weird. So, and like just to preface this, like my dad is not a very like talkative person. He's kind of. <laughs> I don't know. He doesn't, my dad does not know how to navigate emotions well. And, and I don't mean that to sound like that. He's like a loner or like abusive or anything. He's just like a dude who like never quite figured out how to like navigate his emotions. And so like I, and we don't have a ton of stuff in common, despite the fact that I'm the only person in the family that he still talks to. So we, we eat lunch, we sit with his sister and her husband who are pretty fine people and then her, the sister that we're sitting with, her son gets there, and he, I had remembered him from growing up, so we talked to him for a little while, um, and then we do the whole funeral situation, we file into the funeral, and I kind of forgot that their family is, like, super-duper religious, so, or, like, the, the grandparents are, at least. So the funeral service was very, very, very religious, like, almost uncomfortably religious to someone like me who is not really, like, into religion at all. Like, I certainly respect, you know, people's beliefs on whatever the religion they want to have or whatnot. Um, but it was just kind of, like, the pastor who was talking was saying a lot of stuff that was, like, I don't know, just kind of strange. Like, he told this giant story about, like, um, about how only, like, one out of ten, I think it was, like, one out of ten people who, like, decide that they want to live a life on like the path of Christ. Like only one of them ends up actually like continuing that life and like finishing strong. So like half of his speech at this funeral was sort of like a, like a low key challenge for like everybody in the room to like, Oh, like, you know, you don't want to be those nine people. Like you want to be that person that finishes strong and like lives a life of faith and oh, all this Jesus. stuff. Yeah. yeah, so, like, it, it was just kind of weird. And, I mean, I'm sure most of the people in the room were probably religious, and they were probably like, yeah, we get it, like, rah, rah, this is what we're, you know, about. But me being the person I am, like, I wasn't, it was just weird. Please tell and me so, you raised your hand and was like, excuse me, uh, I have a dissenting opinion, sir. No, I was not about <laughs> to do that. Um, <laughs> I'm not that kind of person. So, so like, the, the service finishes, and then we go to... The, they had, like, we went to the cemetery after, and there was, like, not everybody went to the cemetery, but most of the people did. And they had, like, kind of, like, a small, like, covered um, service thing at the cemetery. And he was, uh, the gentleman who passed away was an Air Force vet. So that is where they did the whole, like, they had, like, the flag over his casket, and they had the veterans, like, fold the flag into the triangle and, like, presented the flag to... Uh, to my grandma and you know like shook her hand and hugged her and thanked her and everything and thanked him for his service and all that stuff and he was a um a volunteer firefighter for a long time too so like he did all this stuff that i didn't even know he did like i didn't know he was a veteran and i didn't know he did uh, volunteer firefighting so like it was kind of cool to learn that stuff and one thing that was really cool in the middle of like the cemetery service thing was one of the guys who was there with the fire department had like a fireman radio on his belt. And at a certain point in the service, there was like a woman from dispatch who came over the radio and she gave this like two minute speech about like, you know, thank you for your service. Thank you for everything you did. Um, you know, kind of like all that stuff, you know, rest in peace and you know, you're with heaven and all that stuff now. And it was just really cool. Cause it like the logistics of timing her from like, the fire department dispatch to like saying that stuff over the radio, I thought was really neat. Um, 
And then pretty much everybody left and they like buried him, which I mean, you think it was the first time in my life I've ever seen like a body actually get buried in a cemetery. And was it like open casket or how did it go? It was at the funeral home during the service. It was closed. But after the service, when they were like filing the people out, they opened his casket so you could like walk by and see him and it was weird and i tried not to look at his body as much as possible because i was very uncomfortable with that um but some of the people that went up there i don't know if they're people that he knew for decades or whatnot but there were a few people that went up there and they would like put their hand on his shoulder like as he's dead in the casket or like hold his hand for a second and I mean, I know people deal with grief in all sorts of ways, but I I didn't even want to look at the body because it seems so weird to me. And just like the thought of going up and like holding this like dead person's hand or like putting my hand on this dead person's shoulder just seemed very strange. But I mean, teach his own, whatever people need to do, you know, to to sort of get through the grief and, and the situation. Um but at the funeral home or at the cemetery, I mean, it was uh, it was all closed and they like put like the cover over the casket. And then they put like you think like because you see stuff like this in the movies all the time where it's like the it's some like I don't even know, like some like graceful machine that just like gently lowers this body into the grave. Yeah, but in yeah, real yeah. life at this place anyway, it was just like a dude in a bulldozer and he like lifted the the casket up with the cover on this like bulldozer thing and then there were like a couple guys that were straightening it out in the in the grave and they like lowered it and it, it was like 90 degrees outside and it was hot and it was gross and so it was not as elegant as you know it always uh, looks in the movies but then again yeah. nothing is ever as elegant as it looks in the movies um but at that point patrick and i because it was like 5 p.m and patrick and i were like why don't we just go back tonight so instead of staying saturday night and wasting the entire day of sunday driving we basically just hit the like we got dinner and coffee and then hit the road and didn't get back until about one to two in the morning. But that was definitely the right decision to make was to leave early rather than uh, rather than stick around. But it was just weird, like seeing everybody for the first time in 15 years, um, kind of like wondering how they got where they were in that time and. Um, just the fact that like, I didn't really talk to my dad that much and his girlfriend slash fiance slash wife was there. And I still don't know if they got married or not. Cause neither of them were wearing wedding rings, but it, it is a situation where like they could have just taken them off for the wedding. Cause they didn't want people to know that they got married or for the funeral. Cause they didn't know, want people to know that they got married. I don't really know what the deal is. I didn't ask him because, uh, he was, my dad was already, um, very emotional at the funeral anyway it's like literally the second time in my life i've ever seen my dad cry the first of which is when he found out that his own father died so it was um i didn't want to be like oh you're all sad hey did you get married like let's talk about this like i wasn't gonna be that kind of guy <laughs> yeah no no i hear you i hear you there's a time and a place for everything yeah, and I have a feeling the time and the place for that is never going to happen but i also did not tell my dad that i got married but I introduced, like, everybody around, obviously, Patrick, like, oh, this is Patrick. He is my husband. But I never, like, was like, oh, Dad, we got married. So I don't know if he, like, picked up on the fact that we got married and just didn't talk about it or if he wasn't paying attention or whatnot. But, uh, yeah, we did not have the marriage discussion. So I don't know. It was, like, it was just weird because, like, I, I don't dislike my dad at all. Like, I mean, he did some not great things during the divorce situation with my mom, but like, uh, 
I drove like six hours there and probably spoke to my dad the least out of anyone there. So it was just like weird that he didn't seem to want to like talk more or like see how things were going or and maybe he felt weird because like his girlfriend was there and he probably thinks that I don't care too much for her. And really, I don't like I know she's not the enemy in the situation, like, but you know, whenever one of your parents remarries, like, it's not easy to come around to the new spouse. So, I don't know. It was strange. It was not not the worst, but it was just a weird weekend. That sounds really crazy. I, I, I guess I kind of imagine you guys talking more, but, I mean, the circumstances you describe kind of make sense. And if your dad is kind of a one of those typical I am not in touch with my emotions kind of guys, I mean, I guess I guess I can see how that went, but... Uh, families are weird, man. Families are just really <laughs> tough, you know? I mean, no matter how you slice it. I mean, Gina and I um, are definitely way more about chosen family than we are about biological family. So, I don't know. Families are just really fucking weird. I mean, how did you feel after it was all said and done? I mean, what it, did you feel like it was worth it? Did you feel... I mean, I, like, like what was going through your head? Like, any emotions at all? Did it, was it, like, no big deal? Or is it anything sticking with you? I mean, what, what are your thoughts? Um, I'm, I'm definitely not like mad that I went, like, I think going was the right thing to do. And I still stand by that. And I'm glad I went and I'm glad I got to see everybody again. And I don't feel like it was like a waste of the weekend or a waste of money or a waste of time or anything. Um, I don't know. It was just like, it was just weird. Like it was nice to see people, but, um, I don't know. Like I didn't, I talked with my dad's sisters the most, both of whom I haven't seen in, I, I mean, I guess I hadn't seen a lot of people in like 15 years, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was fine. Like it was, I don't know. I'm just like, not, I'm very like, like, just like, bleh. like this is how I feel about most things in life where I either like really dislike something or I really, really like something. And this just falls in that gray area of like, yeah, it was fine. Like, I don't know. You'd think I would have more emotion about going to my own family's funeral, uh, that of whom I haven't seen a lot of people there in like 15 years. But I mean, it was fine. It was okay. Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, families are like kind of what you make of them. I mean, something that Gina and I say to each other all the time is that if we weren't related by blood to our family, we would probably never, ever, 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 ever hang out with any of those people for any reason whatsoever. So... (laughs) You know, you just have different personalities, you have different goals, different paths in life, and, you know, a lot of times you don't even get along with those people. You just get together and put up with it at Thanksgiving dinner, or you, you know, don't say anything at Christmas time, because it's Christmas time, and, you know, and we're, you know, it, it can be really tough. I mean, I feel really jealous of people who actually really get along with their families, or who have a great relationship. You know, I don't have the best relationship with my family, and, uh, you know, that can be tough. I mean, kind of what you're saying kind of echoes some thoughts that I've had about my own family in some ways, so... Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I got to be honest. This kind of makes me think of, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, um, pollen is just killing me right now still. I apologize, people, if you hear me <laughs> clear my throat. Pollen has been, like, off off the hook lately. Um, anyway, uh, you know, I often think about my mom and my dad. Like, I don't have a good relationship with either one of them. Probably a little bit better with my mom. Uh, my dad is a complete fucking jerk, so I haven't talked to him in, like, years and years and years. And I just, you know, I mean, like, you know, nobody lives forever, right? I mean, one of these days... You know, it's very possible I could get a call saying, hey, you know, your mom or dad is dead and what do you want to do? And, 
you know, my brother, who I don't talk to either because he's a fucking asshole. Uh, <laughs> I just I just I, you know, I try to imagine like if I ever saw my brother again, which I, I currently have no plans to ever see him because we had this incredibly volcanic falling out like it was just really hurtful and um you know i'm sure that if you asked him he would tell it a different way than i tell it i mean i kind of feel like he was the one that really drew the line in the sand that was not necessary but whatever everybody's got their own opinion of what happened but i i seriously have no plan to ever see him again like that's fine um so i kind of wonder like what would happen if either of my parents died and we had to take care of the affairs or whatever like I mean, I imagine I would probably see him. What would I even do? What would I even say? I have I literally have no idea what I would even do. So hearing you kind of go through your situation is kind of making me think about what I would do about my situation. And I don't even, I just don't even, Corey, don't even know. Don't even know. <laughs> so I don't know, man. Um, anyway, any final wrap up thoughts before we uh, move on from that? Uh, I don't <clears throat> think so. I think I'm ready to leave that behind me. All right. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. Thanks for the update, dude. I'm, I'm sure that I mean, I was really curious how that was going to go. I'm sure everybody listening was really curious because if you're listening to the banter, you are a true fan of this podcast. So <laughs> I'm sure everybody wanted to know. Uh, moving on to slightly happier family related stuff. Yesterday was Mother's Day. So a belated happy Mother's Day to any mothers listening or anybody who f- fulfills the mother role or anybody who in some possible way is a mother to someone. Happy, happy Mother's Day to all of you. Uh, my original plan for my wife, who is the best mother in the world, uh, I was going to cook breakfast in bed for her. That's like one of her favorite things. She loves getting breakfast in bed, and I fucking hate cooking breakfast in bed. I just like, <laughs> I something about it, just like, uh, it's like the biggest pain in the ass. Like, I cook really well. I'm great in the kitchen. I That's not a problem. I just, I, breakfast in bed is not my thing at all. Like, I really dislike it because you get crumbs in bed and like you're eating in a place where you're kind of leaning back and it's weird to eat when you're leaning back and the blankets and shit. It's like, ah, oh, I hate it, but she loves it. So I try to do it at least once a year for her because that's, that's her jam and that's cool. I can do that once a year, but, uh, I don't know if I really mentioned it or not, but I started a new freelance gig and I'm working six days a week right now. So for the next seven weeks, that's why we're recording on Mondays. That's why the schedule was really weird. That's why last week's episode was really weird. So I'm working six days a week and, uh, Mother's Day fell on a day that I was working. So I don't know if I've mentioned it. Have I said to people what I'm doing? Have I mentioned that? Or I probably haven't, have I? Uh, I don't think so. I think there's been rumblings on Twitter, but not officially on the show. All right. I don't really want to get like super into it. But basically, I'm working with a local theater, uh, a pretty big local theater. And we're, we're staging a production um, coming up pretty soon. I'm not sure how much I'm at liberty to say, really, but... Uh, so anyway, so I'm, I'm at the theater and we're doing this work and I feel kind of bad because I'm not there to do her one breakfast in bed per year. Cause I know I'm not going to fucking ever do it any other day of the year. Uh, so I'm like, oh, I feel really bad. I wish I could do something. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're here. And there's like all these actors and dancers and singers. And I'm like, you know, how about if I just like, if I talk to the director and if he could just like have a read pause for like five seconds and just like, if I could film them saying happy mother's day to my wife maybe that would be like something really cool and neat and unusual and special and that would let her know that i'm thinking of her and would in some small way make up for not getting breakfast in bed even because i can't be there right so i talked to the director the director is a super cool guy he's like yeah totally let's do it absolutely <laughs> he called all the dancers all the singers all the uh, performers over and gathered them up and they all you know they were like super exuberant they were all super into it and they wished her a happy mother's day i videoed it it's up on my twitter if you want to see that it's really short it's like five seconds long or something but it was really cool and really fun and really neat, and I'm glad everybody was game for that, and uh, Gina really liked it a lot. So that was a cool, fun thing that I did for Mother's Day. Um, yeah, so that was that was my 
my neat little escapade there. Uh, did you call your mom for Mother's Day, Corey? Of course I called my mom, partly, obviously, because it was Mother's Day. But also I called her to tell her basically the story I just told you about the wedding because my mom wanted to know about everything because she knows the people that were there too and uh so i was telling her about you know the situation and getting caught up and asking her to remind me which cousins belonged to which aunts and uncles because i'm so bad with my family tree that i was like oh are these two people are those these people's kids and i was like no that's my brother's kids and i like thought they were totally on the wrong side of the family so uh of course yes i did call my mom did your mom ask if your dad's new woman had, like, totally gotten ugly and her hair fell out and she gained 100 pounds? Uh, she did not, but she admitted to thinking about driving by his new house and lighting it on fire while he was out of town. <laughs> Sounds like a woman after my own heart. <laughs> I like your mom. I like your mom a lot. <laughs> and feel free to tell her that. She's got my seal of approval on that. Um, she probably delete that, though. We don't want any traces of evidence left over. <laughs> right on, right on, right on. Well, I don't have a whole lot of banter this week. I've been just working my ass off, so that's pretty much all I got. You got any last little tidbits uh, you want to talk about before we jump into some games? Oh, God, now that you've got me on the spot, I'm trying to think. Actually, I'm just going to say no, because I know, like, I know this is at the end, the end of the show, but I know in the Weird Time Warp, we have, like, six million games and Q&A to talk about. So we can just wrap the banter and get to the games if you want to. Yeah, that's true. We did promise people after the short uh, show last time, it's going to be like a nine-hour marathon no, this time. No, buckle in. Oh buckle God. in, dude. I wanted whenever whenever Josh was like, <laughs> oh, are we going to get like a three-and-a-half-hour show next week? I wanted to be like, if you, if I can send you the files and you edit it and you publish it and you write the show description and you write the timestamps, then we can have a three-and-a-half-hour show. But until then... <laughs> No, sir. <laughs> you never know. He might have taken you up on it. You know, don't be too sure. <laughs> so who knows? <laughs> no, but then I would be, I would be like really insecure. And I would be one of those people who's like, I can't hand this work off to somebody like, cause I have to do it myself. Oh, so yeah, it's that, like, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. That's me about every fucking thing in the world. I got to do it myself because it's got to get done right. And I'm the only person in the world that can do it right, which is not true, <laughs> but that is the thing I tell myself. So yes, I hear you a hundred percent. All right, dude. Yeah, that's a good idea. We got a lot of games to talk about. Let's fucking get to it. So I'm ready. If you're ready, uh, let's talk about some games. Mm-hmm. 